Hold on to your mug. We're in for a wild night. Greeting, traveler. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of Born to be Wild, a wild-exclusive Hearthstone podcast where we have fun hanging out with friends, talking about the wild format of Hearthstone, and spotlighting members of the wild community. I'm your host, Nate Wolf. It's good to be back, as always, on this Black Friday. Some good uh, Steam sales going on. Don't spend all your Christmas money. <laughs> uh, of course, joined by two of my favorite people. Mike Lowe, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing good. It's just Friday to me. <laughs> <laughs> Are you waiting all day for that? <laughs> for what? <laughs> Never mind. Uh, Hydra Lisk, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. It's 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 good. It's it's Friday. It's been a very long work week for me, and I'm just super stoked. I always look forward to relaxing and hanging out with my buds and talking to them Hearthstone. Yeah, it's a blast. Hey, so we got a really special guest joining us tonight. Uh, someone that is a monthly Wild Legendary Hearthstone player and a very active member of our Discord. Always embarrassed to say his name out loud, but very well happy to welcome to this <laughs> to the show. <laughs> Schmoopy Daddy, welcome, welcome, welcome. welcome. Yeah, I'm uh, stoked to be here. Big fan of the podcast. Uh, it's like a staple of like my Sunday night doing dishes routine. So I don't know what I'm going to be doing to, uh, next Sunday. I have no idea. <laughs> you can you can listen to this and just recall all the stuff that uh, went wrong before we started recording. And <laughs> it's great to have you on, though. I don't know about you, but when you listen to it with yourself on it, let me know if you like listening to yourself or not. It's it's always really weird to listen to your own voice on a recording. It's like, is that what I really sound like? I sound like such a weirdo. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, I, I I used to listen to the to the podcast like all the time, and then I got on it and I listened to the first couple episodes, and I'm like, I don't want to listen to it anymore. That, <laughs> we're, we're we're definitely down like one viewer slash listener, and that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Make it two. <laughs> Since I teach, uh, I can listen to myself talk for a long, long time, but I, I'm not sure if I want to hear myself talk about stuff I already know about Secret Mage for two hours. I just, I don't, I don't know if that's going to be part of the Sunday night routine. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to find something else for you to do for a little while. <laughs> it, it, w- it probably will be for, it, it, like for the first appearance. You're going to want to listen to it. 100%. So a question for you. Um, a lot of times the folks that we have on the show, we know them from other podcasts. We know them from streaming. We know them from the, the ladder or whatever. And we, I like, I met you through our discord. So, um, how, like, how, I'm just out, out of curiosity. Like, how did you stumble upon us? So, um, when quarantine kind of struck, Hearthstone kind of became like, you know, I, I was, you know, we're teaching from home, but it was asynchronous. I wasn't, you know, in front of students every day. So it was kind of like set and forget. So I, I was playing more Hearthstone. And since I was playing more Hearthstone and I was stuck home, I started kind of like doing a little bit more research as far as like, you know, other places where I could get content because I'd be watching Raffle videos every day. But then I started showing up on, you know, I started, I discovered Twitch. I started showing up to streams. I hang out, you know, a lot with like Swaguar and his streams. Yeah. 
catch his channel. And then I started like hearing about podcasts. I'm like, oh, I, I, I could listen to some podcasts about Wild Hearthstone. Um, so mm -hmm. I actually found the Hearthstoners before you guys. Uh -huh. We can forgive you. Yeah, that's okay. They We're, are our, our big brother, right? They are our big brother. Uh, and they're good friends yeah. of ours, too. So that's fine. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I found you guys. And, Naturally, you uh, clicked on I, that one, yeah. though. The, their name is Clickbait already, right? It's called the Hearthstoners. <laughs> so you're going to click on that one. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then so basically, I, I, I came to hear the discussion about Hearthstone and I stayed because you guys are also a bunch of nerd dads. So like, that's totally that's totally my lane. Totally oh, nerd. Dad. God, that's so true. <laughs> I guess I guess that's our we found our niche, right? Oh, 100%. And I, I, I think you guys have slowly indoctrinated me into the whale club. I, I'm not uh -oh. I'm not full like white whale yet. I think I'm like a beluga. But I'm getting there. <laughs> it's, okay, okay. It's it, I apologize. It's not a. It's an expensive habit. They there there is something to be said about your uh, MMR uh, and your win rate increasing with golden cards. Though I swear it's uh that's the unofficial truth. <laughs> and your RNG. If if you're your RNG, gonna, yeah yeah I'm gonna quote uh, trips. If you have a golden Leroy, you will draw it when you need it. Yeah, that's like Jedi speak right there. As, as a <laughs> physics teacher, I can I can attest that the, the density of the golden card will actually have something to do with its physical property within the deck. So, yeah, absolutely, 100% checks out. I heard the words density and property. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Agreed. Oh, God, that's good. So, hey, let, we, we just to get to know you a little bit better, how long you been playing Hearthstone? What, what got you into it? And, uh, like, why Wild uh, over Standard? Sure. So um, I actually first started playing Hearthstone in 2018 around Halloween time because I picked it up from, believe it or not, a student in my class who wasn't doing any work. He was just on his phone the whole time. So <laughs> when I have students that are like that... <laughs> I do what I usually do, which is I, I sneak up behind them and I see what they're doing on their phone. And I stand there for a while and I don't say anything. And then when they finally notice me, I, you know, start conversations about it. He's just like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a fun game. And it looked like something I'd get into. So I was just like, all right, you know, it's one of my kids that doesn't really do anything. I want to kind of get to know him better, maybe so I can, you know, talk to him about the game. Get so a you confiscated the phone and then you played it behind <laughs> your desk. <laughs> Yeah, no, you don't, you don't, you don't touch other students' property. That's that's uh, that's <laughs> yeah. That's asking. That's not, asking for a rap sheet. No, so not, not I, these uh, days. Yeah, yeah, it happened to us. <laughs> but you know, I'll, I'll do stuff like that just to kind of like like I'll pick up a game or something like that just to, to have something to talk to them about to build a rapport so that like I'm I'm like the cool teacher that I get the kids who don't normally do anything do half of mm -hmm. something and that's better than anybody else. So like that's that's kind of part of my motivating factor. Um, I got into it in 2018. I think why wild just because it's just so unrestricted and degenerate and just kind of like absurd and Cthulhu. There was no Cthulhu in standard. Um, and, and kind of once you get the bug for wild, you just kind of stay in wild just because the, the power level is so crazy. The swings are so crazy. The tempo is nuts. Um, it's just I think it's just much more fun. Getting into wild. I've, I've got a good question for you because a lot of newer players like these days will be discouraged from getting into wild because they're told it's too expensive there's too many cards but getting into the game about two years ago and choosing wild how did it feel for you to get you know the staples like you know your kazakas and your reno jacksons and like all that kind of stuff like was it difficult 
was it as hard as they say? Was it expensive as they say? Or did you find it not so bad because these cards are eternal sort of thing? Like, how did that go for you? So I think the strategy I used that I would totally suggest to anybody else would be, like, especially if you're learning the game, but you still want to get into wild, uh, find a good aggro deck and just get good at it. I jammed Mech Mage, uh, not Mech Mage, I jammed Mech Hunter for, like, like that was my get to rank five deck for probably a year. Like, I started as a Murloc Shaman, but that kind of, like, you know, I was playing the quest, and, like, Rise of Shadows came out, and I got some new tools, but it was just never as fast as Mech Hunters. So, like, I just picked up Mech Hunter and, and jammed Mech Hunter. I actually have, like, as many wins as I have with Mage. I think I've got 1,400 wins with Mage. I've got, like, 1,600 with Hunter. So I just I was just always jamming that deck. And and you get to learn the card profiles playing that way. Um, you get to learn patterns. Uh, you get you learn to hate Big Priest, but then you learn to beat <laughs> Big Priest. So, like, it, it's just, you know, you just you go through this development. And, and it's just a slow structure. It's a grind. And if you enjoy the grind, it's it's great. Eventually, you pick up those cards, and you start being able to play those cards. When people ask me about Wild also, when they're looking for a deck to start with, or thinking about getting into Wild for the first time, it's very often that I will recommend Secret Mage, because typically the deck only runs one Legend, so it's relatively low dust cost. And it was funny, because we were looking at, um, I was looking at decks from 2017, secret mage and half the cards are the same as they are right now you know so over the years like it really don't change that much and for any given deck in wild every new expansion you know an existing deck will change by you know two to three cards that you know we'll try out and then a lot of times we go back to what it was before you know and, and only one or two cards are good enough to make the cut because our decks are so refined so honestly i don't think it's that expensive uh as people think it is so it's interesting. Also, I think Secret Mage, at least to get the hang of the deck, is a relatively it's relatively straightforward. You know, like if someone's just getting into the game or just getting into Wild, like I wouldn't go say go play Cube Luck, go play Reno Luck, go play Reno Priest. <laughs> like there's just so many decisions to be to be made in, in some of those decks, and I think this one not not that it's easy, but that it's. Uh, a relatively straightforward game plan. And, and so, hey, can, can I can I say something real quick? Yeah, of so course, of course. To to yeah, to add to what Nate's saying, to uh to make it sound a little not not that it sounded bad, but to put more sense to people who might think that sounds bad. It's easier to recommend this to newer players than Q Block or something else based on I don't ever <clears throat> play defensive as Secret Mage. So that's what I take from what Nate is saying. There are decisions to make in Secret Mage, but I've never spent you know, like eight out of 10 games playing defensively, like it's more aggressive. So in the end, like the ultimate goal is to go face and, you know, but we have an expert here tonight to discuss the ins and outs of different matchups. But that's what I took from what Nate was saying, just in case some people took that as like, oh, yeah, no. it's just boring. Because there's some people who get really defensive. So oh, yeah, I, no, and I, days, I appreciate that. And I didn't mean it that way, yeah. I, I guess. No, I no, think... I got you. I got you. Yeah. I think that a lot of people play Secret Mage for the first time improperly as an aggro deck. Fireball on four to face is just categorically incorrect like 90-95% yeah. of the time unless it's a dark glare and like they're on five <laughs> and they've just very nicely like wrapped up a oh, fireball to their face for you like that's but but you know you know it's one of those decks where you can kind of just it's so strong you can kind of get away with sort of misplaying when you play secrets and just throwing minions down and it's so disruptive that like you'll kind of like win on accident playing it kind of like an as an aggro deck it's like one of the reasons why I, I never liked Voracious Reader in the deck, just because like you don't play it like an aggro deck. Like I sit on some secrets for turns, waiting for the right time to play it, the right timing, because I know I want to block. 
this spell or I want to blow up this minion when it comes down. So, you know, it, it may have made sense to have that kind of minion in there. That's because you, you always have more than three cards in hand. But some people. Okay, play we're talking way. about the deck a little too much because we're talking about that later. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get we, there. We, we got we got an interview still. I want to know the whole origin of Schmoopy Daddy's name. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, same here. Okay, so my wife and I possess perhaps the worst baby book ever written uh, in the history of mankind. It was like from like 2007. It was a hand-me-down from her sister. You know, she's, she was pregnant with our first, and we were looking through names, and I'm driving the car. And you know how, like, you know somebody's reading something, and then you hear that, like, snort laughter, and you know they got something good? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, babe, what? And she's like... What about Schmoopy? Unironically, it was one of the options in the baby book name. So I was, so I was like, yes, that's the one. You know, my wife, being my wife, knew I was kidding, but but that became uh, my son's nickname in the womb uh, until he was born. You know, fast forward to October of 2018. You know, my little guy's a lump on the floor because he's like five months old or whatever. And I'm signing up for this game, and I've got a couple gamer tags that I've I've used a couple times over and over and over again since I was in high school. And I was like, let me do something different this time. How about I'm, what about Schmoopy Daddy? So I sign mm-hmm. up, and I'm Schmoopy Daddy. So I'm Schmoopy's Daddy. <laughs> got it. Okay. So that's a real name in like a real baby right. book. It's a real name in a real baby book. That is insane to me. It, it, so like that that's a Seinfeld joke, correct? Schmoopy. It, it might be. I don't. I don't know. I'm pretty sure. You. So what theater you want to go to tonight? We got the uh, 61st and 3rd or 84th and Broadway. Which one you want to go to, Schmoopy? You call me Schmoopy. You're Schmoopy. You're Schmoopy. You're Schmoopy. You're Schmoopy. <laughs> All right, Schmoopies. What's it going to be? Pick a theater. Uh, we'll go to 3rd Avenue. So can you come with us for lunch to the soup place? No, you have a good lunch. I'll meet you back here for the movie. Hey. Hey. Hi, Lane. Hey. Hi, Sheila. <laughs> All right, then I'll see you later. Bye, Schmoopy. Bye, Schmoopy. <laughs> okay, we ready to go? Yes, please, please, let's go. Uh, I also heard on the radio recently that uh, the name Seven has become really popular for babies, and that's also a Seinfeld joke because George wanted to name a baby Seven as a joke, and apparently that has also become a thing in books, and people are actually naming their baby Seven. Wow. I didn't know that Seinfeld was having a resurgence. I got a great name for our kids. A real original. You want to hear what it is? Eh? You ready? Yeah. <laughs> what is that, sign language? Seven. Seven Costanza. You're serious? Yeah. It's a beautiful name for a boy or a girl. Especially a girl or a boy. I don't think so. Well, you don't like the name? It's not a name. It's a number. I know. It's Mickey Mantle's number. So not only is it an all-around beautiful name, it is also a living tribute. It's awful. I hate it. Well, that's the name. Oh, no, it is not. No child of mine is ever going to be named Seven. All right, let's just stay calm here. Don't get all crazy on me. So another question about games. Did you, when you first saw Hearthstone and you decided to play it, did you ever play a Blizzard game before and thought like, oh, this is my Blizzard? Or was this your first Blizzard experience? So my buddy and I actually played a lot of Age of Empires growing up. Age of Empires 2, Age of Empires 3. And I think those would be my my first Blizzard games. Um, whenever I thought Blizzard, I thought, oh, AoE 2. 
so I think this is probably my latest Blizzard game. I don't, I never played WoW. I never played, um, you know, Diablo. I, but it was, they were always around. Like they were always making like good games when I was a kid. Yeah, you missed out on some good ones. <laughs> they just re-released Warcraft Three. It's really good. Uh, who, I recommend who, it. I don't think uh, Age of Empires was Blizzard. I'm not sure who made that. I don't no, think I don't... Oh, Starcraft. And Starcraft and Blizzard, like kind of like Starcraft and Age of Empires, kind of like. I put them in the same category because they were like real-time strategy games. Yeah, except StarCraft wasn't like nine hours for a match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I mean, I would just... But like, that's the thing. Like, when you're a kid, like, I would just get up there and I would just like try to build the biggest castle I could. Like, I just... I didn't care. I was just like, no one's getting past my defense. And meanwhile, the meta in that game is like, you need to attack the entire time. Yeah, I did play Age of Empires as well, but not a lot. I didn't know really what i was doing i would just verse the computer and then you could save the game back then and then just come back to it later and play the computer again uh but starcraft yes the original starcraft i played a lot of online like way too much of actually have you guys played the remake at all i saw they remade it with mm-hmm. new graphics i don't know it's on my list but uh, yeah i haven't i mean it would be fun i've played through that campaign i don't know how many times it's super, super fun. I love it. I love the story. I love everything about it. But hence, my name is Hydralisk. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I haven't played the one with the new graphics. So what, uh, So you're a teacher by trade. What, what got you into teaching, just out of curiosity? I don't really know. Like, I really... Um... I really do enjoy still hanging around school, like not necessarily like being in high school with all the drama, but just like I just sort of still enjoy the environment. I still sort of vibe with that uh, mm-hmm. with that age group. Teaching physics, you know, affords me the ability to te- to to talk to almost adults like at like, you know, 11th grade, 12th graders. Like I don't have to like house train the freshmen or anything like that. You know, you get to have some like really important discussions with young men and young women who are about to go out into the world and make some really important life-altering decisions. And I kind of like being one of the trusted advisors for that, you know, making those decisions. Because, like, I think because I teach physics, they assume I'm smart. So they'll ask me all kinds of questions. I'll get all kinds of questions about, like, Mr. Burkhart, where should I, uh, you know, where should I go go to college or where should I do this or where should I do that? So, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's 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 a big responsibility, but I, I really do enjoy it. That's hey, really um, cool. I, I, so I'm doing... I'm at a lower level than you. I like that you can recognize the position you're in, that you have influence in their life. And to that point, it's better because you're looking to influence them in a positive way, knowing that you have influence in their life, where there are people in life who know they can influence somebody and then do it in a bad way. You know what I'm saying? So it's good that you're in education and then you're doing it to influence them in a positive way. So it's cool. Because I'm just getting into the field myself, so it's cool to see that in here. And honestly, I, if if I if I got them any younger, they wouldn't get any of my jokes or my sense of humor, and I'd probably make one or two of them cry. So it's just it's it's better that I'm that I'm where I'm at. Uh, yeah, that's good awesome. stuff. <laughs> you know, I, I actually took my grade twelve physics twice because I failed it the first time. So you just didn't have the right teacher. I didn't. I was gonna say if it was schmoopy. <laughs> <laughs> professor fun stuff, man i do some fun stuff professor schmoopy uh can i ask you a question uh i like it i i wish that like thinking back to high school i really wish that there had been more like life skills that they had taught us about like i don't know finance balancing a budget saving money basic economics job finding that sort of thing you know i mean yeah. i like i don't know at least i 
feel like my wife and I kind of learned all that stuff the hard way. They do that now in home and careers. But the problem is that kind of tends to happen a lot whenever whenever society kind of has a problem like the default mode is just like okay let's 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 you know let's tell the schools to do it and the problem is is like the more time we spend doing that the less time we spend like teaching content and stuff that like we're actually trained to teach about so like you know like i I couldn't tell you like how many times we'll have you know this directive or that directive like okay today is like you know uh like in march there's like oh there's like a an nfl everybody you know works out for a day in class. Now I can like take my content and kind of morph my way around that. But like, you can't always teach everything. You do have to kind of like, you know, cut, cut kids loose sometimes and just sort of have them figure stuff out. But I get what you're saying. They definitely do that more now than they used to. But at the same time, like it's, it's rough when you keep getting told there's more stuff you have to do on top of what you've been trained to do. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Physics, physics doesn't change a ton. Like it, it does, but like the topics that it changes in, are uh well the topics that it changes in like you're not going to be covering in my conceptual physics class where i'd probably you know have hydra for the second year so like that's that's <laughs> that's kind of what we're <laughs> that that's the, like we're not you know talking about oh the higgs boson like that's not like no it's like guys we're we're going to talk about gravity a little bit today yeah but if if there's like some sort of advances in the field or whatever i'm sure that we, maybe you would cover that as something cool to... if they, yeah, if honestly I'll know it's good if somebody in the class brings it up. If somebody okay. in the class brings it up, I'll spend some time on it. But unless somebody brings it up, the kids that I'm usually working with are like, you know, give me your sick, you're poor, you're tired. Like, it's like, I, I've got kids who they need this class to graduate. And mm-hmm. the other three years of science have not gone well. So I'm kind of like the, I'm kind of like, um, I'm not going to say like a last resort, but but my class is to kind of, as they're moving through my class, make sure they're taking something along the way, not necessarily outlining the fire, finer points of every physics discovery that pops up. Cool. I guess that's a benefit to being in like the math math and science field is that like the stuff doesn't really change all that much, right? No, and if it does, like I'll give like, again, gravity is a great example. Like the way I teach gravity is the way that Newton basically came up with in the 1600s. But I mean, Einstein stated it better. Like Einstein's example of how you how gravity works is better. But like, try teaching that to like a four-year-old. <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> so, do you see, do you see yourself staying in this career field, or do you see yourself uh, stepping away from stepping away from it one day? Uh, I will step away from it when I am fifty-five years old. Ha <laughs> ha. That's a good answer. Look back. I enjoy it now. I I am going to enthusiastically, um, you know, I, I you set your your temperature in your classroom. So I'm going to show up and and be enthusiastic about my science because I love my science. I'm going to be enthusiastic about teaching because I like teaching. I like interacting with young people. But uh, I'm also going to be equally enthusiastic about retirement. And when that comes around, sweet. So you do set the, you do set the temperature in your classroom because the teacher that I pair for. She likes to have the window open. It's freezing. <laughs> yeah, no. That well, is the no, first okay. dad joke of the night. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. I will dad, say. Teacher, teacher dad joke. The, I think that there's definitely something to be said about having a good teacher. Like you can have a really difficult subject. And as long as the teacher is good, it makes the subject approachable, you know? You know, the 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 schmoopy you see here is the schmoopy that you see in front of the classroom, basically with the same level of sarcasm and tongue in cheek. So, like, you know, that's that's this is this is, uh, you know, if you ever want me to come on and teach Newton's laws, just let me know. Oh, yeah. Bonus episode. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> hey, so I, I think everyone wants to know uh, the kid that you saw Hearthstone on his phone in class. Are you guys friends in the game? <laughs> oh no, no, I'm not. But I actually friended I friended his buddy who actually told me that it's like, oh yeah, this kid's really good. He's really good. And like, meanwhile, meanwhile, this guy like looking back on it now was pretty funny. Uh, this other kid. Uh, was like so stoked that he opened like Prince Liam. He's like, "Yo, dude, all my all my one drops become legendaries," and he like uh... he didn't realize it was a meme. So like <laughs> that was like the level pl- of player he is. I haven't kicked him <laughs> off my friends list uh, because like I I wouldn't want to do that to the guy. But yeah. uh, I check in every once in a while. I like sometimes I scan my friends list and I boot people who haven't been on for like months and months. And I don't I don't I think he's been hasn't been on for more than a year, but I still have him on there. Cool. Good. That's good funny. times. It's such a good story. That's awesome. All right. Well, let's um let's get into the meat uh, of the episode, if you will. Um, before we get started, I do want to say a big thank you to our patrons, uh, particularly Shokunin and Pug Ugly as the executive producers of our show. Thank you guys very much for backing us. Uh, just we really appreciate uh, all that you do for us. Also, big shout out to our patrons, Adam W, Claudette G, and Daniel B. Thank you very much for your support. If anyone else is interested in supporting the show, you can visit us online at www.borntobewildhs.com. There's uh, all of our shows, all of our stuff there is is posted on the website. Uh, There's links. Um, If you guys are interested in interacting with us or want to know how you can support the show, whether it's monetary or not, some of the great things that uh, are very beneficial to us would be um, oh that is a really nice hoodie you got there <laughs> what a good timing oh, you know. <laughs> oh oh hey that turned out really nice actually I like I like it I like it um, but yeah I mean if if you want to show support the show uh, financially we have a merch shop uh, we have a Patreon that that sort of thing uh, but other non monetary ways like join the Discord and interact with us uh, just to help build the community or uh, leave a review on iTunes. Or, you know, like one of the biggest things that you can do for us, go to YouTube and hit subscribe. You know, that's it. That's it. Um, anyways, I don't want to, I don't want to soapbox too long, but that stuff is very valuable to us. So we appreciate it. And then before we get into our week, I did want to also do a quick, uh, new legend shout out. So something that we typically will do on the show is when we see somebody, uh, who has hit wild legend for the first time, it's just such an uh, awesome experience. And so we like to shout them out. So we have one over this past week. Uh, I'm probably going to mispronounce the name, so I apologize in advance. Suman Sir Roy. Finally reached legend. First time ever. Feels great, man. Thanks to uh, Palmenaus P for sharing the Reno, uh, Reno Lock deck list. And Palmen, of course, is one of our friends, a warlock expert, hangs out in the Discord with us and going to be a guest on the show in a couple weeks. So that'll be super cool. But uh, uh, Suman, congrats on hitting legend for the first time, especially hitting legend for the first time with Reno Lock. That's incredible. So. Mm-hmm. GG's. Yeah, that's super awesome. Congratulations. Uh so we'd like to check in with everybody, see how everybody's doing. And I was wondering, Mike, what have you been up to this last week? How are things going? Oh, things have been going good. Um so like I was saying earlier, uh, getting back into uh teaching, headed back to work next week on uh Monday. So this past week, um just took advantage of the hours I wouldn't be home to stream. So uh been having a good time there. Uh, this past week, uh, it's been pretty crazy at the stream. You know, we got the usual like you know raids and people hanging out, increasing the uh, concurrent view. But uh, this week, not not to beat my chest, boast and brag, 
because I don't want to come in here and sound like that. It just it just happened, you know. I just put stream, start stream, just hanging out, and then I got this raid of like a hundred and seventy nine people from Corbett. Holy cow! Wow, that's yeah, awesome. Corbett, he's a good yeah. guy. Yeah, it was just out of nowhere. But um, I wasn't there right when it happened. I was kind of in the bathroom. <laughs> I'll let it breathe so Nate can put in the toilet, the toilet flushing sound. <laughs> yeah, I was in the bathroom, come back, uh, had the break screen up. And uh, and he's like, oh, uh, awkward timing. And I was like, oh, snap, my bad. I totally missed it. So a chunk of the people had left, but it's all good. I still appreciate him coming through. Uh, I said thanks. Uh, before you took off. And uh, we also had gotten raids this week from uh, Martian Boo. Martian Boo recently just made a Twitch partner. So shout out to Martian Boo. Super cool. Yeah, shout out to that uh, guy. Yeah, Martian Boo gives a lot of wild uh, streams. Martian's a good lot people. of wild. So yeah, we, we've had a good good week. Um, based on my schedule, I don't try to compete. And I don't think anyone should. But I don't try to compete with other wild streamers. I just get on when I can. I just happen to, you know, receive raids from a lot of different wild streamers. Keith Numbers... Martian Boo, Concerned Mom, Corbett, you know, Jack. So I appreciate all those guys. Um, I even got tagged by uh, Pizza in a tweet this past week saying that I would, uh, he would, you know, he would watch me or one of the other four people he had tagged in the tweet. So it's just cool to see like people outside of our Discord uh, who are who are, who are in other communities um, checking my content out because of course I'm representing us and talking about us like when I'm not on the show. It's just been a great week on Twitch. Yeah, I see uh, GG in chat. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's just been it's just been a cool time this week um, on Twitch. And uh, when I go back to work next week, I'll just be uh, streaming like maybe two days during the week at night and then on the weekends, back to my weekend. Nice. But it's been a good time. Oh, congrats. That's really good. Yeah, Schmoopy, sure. what, what, what have you been up to the last week or so? So it was really weird. I I actually can't play a ton of Secret Mage all at once. Like if I start, I, I really need a goal. Like like pushing for Legend is a goal for me. I can strive to that. Climbing the Legend ladder with Secret Mage doesn't hold a whole lot for me. So I spent most of the mm. week uh, achievement hunting. Uh, specifically, I was I've been trying to make like a like a Jade Graybow deck work. Uh, it's terrible. It's not going to work. I'm just going <laughs> to stick him in the taunt druid. Hey, did you see the list? Uh, Ixar. Ixar posted his Graybow achievement list because uh, he just hit the 200, you know, the, the one to play you 200 Graybows. And he shared his list on Twitter. I posted it in our Discord. Um, oh, I'm going to look at that because, like, that card is terrible. But, like, I have to <laughs> I have to get the XP. So I've been, I've been achievement hunting. Uh, I think the most satisfying one so far was um, I got the No Pathetic Cards one. I was playing a, 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 a Cthune Druid, a new Cthune Druid, uh, against a Reno DH, and uh, he played Reno just as I top decked my Cthune, and I had a I had a Spellstone ramped up to kill the Reno, and I had a, a Lightning Bloom to play the Cthune, and it was just like, yes, I never have to do this again if I don't want to. Oh, I'm so oh. jealous. That's awesome. Congrats. That's great. Well, that's, no, that, that's pretty sweet, man. It, some of the, the achievements, when you look at them, you think, how the heck am I supposed to get that? And then they just happen. Mm-hmm. Like, trying to win a game without taking any damage. Like, I got one without playing a minion the other day. I can't remember even how that one happened, but... Turn I, turn one concede? 
It it wasn't though. It was something else. Anyway, it some some of them just happen so naturally, and you're like, oh, okay, I guess I got that. Sweet. So, well, what about you, Nate? What have you been up to the last week? Yeah, I mean, it's it was Thanksgiving yesterday, uh, at least here in the U.S. So, um, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I always oh, yeah. I forget I forget uh, Canadian Thanksgiving back in October. So, yep, happened already. Uh, so, at least in the U.S., you're now safe to play Christmas music without getting hated on too much. <laughs> uh, we we had a nice little Thanksgiving. We really didn't do very much. I mean, really trying to uh, basically quarantine or or stay to ourselves. And so it, we had a nice little mellow Thanksgiving. We uh, we watched White Christmas, and that was fun. I love that movie. We we got a Christmas tree. It's, we got it set up. We have not done any other decorations or anything, but... Uh, it was kind of a funny story. We got this Christmas tree a while back, like a fa- artificial Christmas tree from Costco, and it was too big. Like it's huge. We have to like move furniture to stick the thing in the house. And so, what had happened last year? Uh, I dragged the thing down. Like when we were putting everything away, I dragged it all downstairs, and I didn't want to get it all boxed up. And so I just left it in the garage. My wife was in a hurry to go somewhere and backed the truck over it, and, and so, oh. <laughs> and so um, oh my damn! So the old Christmas tree is a little bit, uh, is a little bit messed up. So we got a new one this year. It's a little bit smaller actually, which is good. It uh, fits in the house a little bit better. So we got that set up, and so it's cool. We were gonna decorate today, and then we all collectively decided that we wanted to have a lazy day instead so i've been playing um uh, arkham asylum on computer all day and my kids been playing on the computer wife's been watching tv it's just been a super mellow kind of chill day um i've been doing that achievement hunting also like i want the Uh xp right i know that we'll talk about it later but this um uh the rewards path or whatever i think is designed for you to complete in four months but like i want it done now you know, I want those. I want those portraits, and then I can just you know, mellow out. But uh, I'm at level like right thirty one, thirty two, right around there. I think Ben, Ben from work is at thirty five, thirty six. I don't know where where are you guys at? I'm right there at thirty one too. I think I'm at. I'm pushing thirty three. Okay, I'm at twenty seven, twenty and nineteen. I think <laughs> I'm doing it three times. <laughs> I haven't oh, paid for the pass though. I'm I'm just free to play i'm free to play i'm just i'm seeing how far i can get without the pass and then i'm planning on last day of the month if you know if i'm going to come up a little short of 50 i'm just gonna you know shell out for it i like the it's the cosmetics that got me more than the bonus xp or anything it's the cosmetics but um so yeah last night i played uh, a little bit some co-op with blue train and ben from work and that was fun ben has been brewing up this reno reno secret mage uh, he went on some crazy 31 tear win streak with, and uh, we played some co-op last night and I think I went 10 and four with it or something. It was pretty strong. You know, I, a while back, Mike introduced me to, so I've got two monitors set up and typically I'll be playing Hearthstone on one or playing a game on one and watching TV on the other one because um, I uh, do that whole divided attention thing. It's not a good idea. I do not recommend it, but no, don't. Um, so Mike, Mike had recommended 90 day fiance a while back and I'd watched a bunch of that and seeing what what else was on TLC because um, I ran out of stuff to watch. And so, for the last for the last week, I've been watching my six hundred pound life, and that is some crazy TV right there. Um, <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I, I don't know. expect that. I, yeah, I I didn't either. But I started watching it and was like, 
you know, whoa, this is edge. It's crazy. It's crazy, crazy. Anyways. Yeah. So it's, uh, because today's black Friday, all the, um, steam and GOG and all the sites are having sales and stuff. And I went on GOG and they were, they had all four Batman games on sale for $5 each. I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. Have I already played all these on the PS4 a long time ago? Yeah. But do I want to play them all again? Yeah. For five bucks. So I've been playing Arkham all day and it's been fun. How about you, Hyder? What are you up to? Yeah, I fully agree. I, I think it was last year or the year before the same thing happened. They put all the, the Arkham games on sale on Steam and I bought those as well. And I was playing the first one. That's when you're, you're, you go down into the basement of the Arkham Asylum and yeah. then it's it's a trap. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Spoiler. <laughs> uh, that game is awesome. Um, and they get it, yeah. collectively like better and better and better too. I mean, they're just so they're really good games. So, so I've got to play my way through the rest. I still have them all on Steam, but I only played the first out of the series, and it's it's definitely good. Uh, but as for my week, my work week has been absolutely crazy. With my work, when it's month end, it's a really big deal. So I work for a geotechnical instrumentation company, and we send like supplies that do like ground monitoring and dam monitoring we look for like movements in the earth and stuff like that and the equipment that we provide is usually going somewhere important obviously nobody's ordering this stuff for no reason but when it becomes month end it is absolutely insane and so i work in the quality department and i need to sign off on all the stuff that leaves the building and so I am so busy that I I don't take any breaks. Like, I was asked to actually work all weekend because month end is Monday, and I refuse. Like, it, it's it's been absolutely nuts, and I'm just glad that it's going to be over soon. Monday's not yeah. going to be a fun day. Was it but, like uh, from office, office Space where your boss is like, yeah, um... Hello, Peter. What's happening? Um... I'm going to need you to go ahead and come in tomorrow. So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Oh, oh, and I almost forgot. Uh, I'm also going to need you to go ahead and come in on Sunday, too. Okay. We uh, lost some people this week and uh, we need to sort of play catch up. Thanks. Gonna need you to work on Saturday. Yeah, that, that exact same that happened to me today, and I was like, "Wow, I, I, sorry, parent, like not doing it." <laughs> Hydra, is it like a budget thing? Like people just have budget money they have to spend by the end of the month? Yeah. Okay. So ba- basically, it is a numbers thing for sure. It's we this year has been kind of crazy covid wise and so all like of our international trade was shut down for a while and we lost like millions of dollars and so things are been back up and running and we are trying to get stuff out the door by the end of the month we also have investors in the company that we need to prove you know that we're making them money so we need to show them numbers so like, for example, today, one of the orders that I was doing a final inspection on was a quarter of a million dollars for one order. And they were like, you need to come in on Saturday and finish this. I'm like, hey, I have till Monday. 
So I'll uh, I'll finish it on Monday. Sorry, like I yeah. I need to be a parent. I don't know what to tell you. It, it it it'll still go out the door, but they they need the the month end thing is a big deal. It's it's all about the investors and stuff. So it's that was kind of crazy. Uh, other than that, um, I've been preparing for tonight's episode by playing uh, our featured deck that you've brought, Schmoopy, which is Secret Mage, and I've been playing different versions of it, mostly because. I don't have all the cards on all the servers. So like I'm kind of playing older versions on Asia and EU and more updated versions on NA and uh, looking forward to talking about it more. And uh, yeah, that's basically been my week. Cool, we should cool. prob we should probably uh, jump into to the news then. Hey, yeah, yeah. Let's jump into the news. Yeah. So I, I guess first up we had a handful of people were missing daily quests. I don't know. Did this guy, did this happen to you guys at all? Nope. I don't think it happened to me, man. Yeah, and it didn't it didn't happen to me either. So I don't know. I mean I I saw the stuff all over Twitter saying, Hey I think it was ridiculous hat was saying, Hey, are did some of you guys miss daily quest? And some people said yes, some people said no. Uh it sounds like it didn't affect any of us, so I don't really know. And uh then they pushed out a hot fix that um it was compensation for missing weekly quests. Uh, so it says weekly uh, compensation for missing weekly quests went out to the affected players. It's 6,000 XP, which is the value of the weeklies plus 600 XP bonus. So I don't know. I mean, I guess that's a thing. Uh, honestly, Apparently. like, I, I don't know. I'm not that surprised just because it's a, it's a new system. I'm not too surprised that there's a, some bugs to work out. I don't know. And then there was another bug where people were getting random golden legendaries pop up. I saw a ridiculous hat made a, a post on Twitter asking who has got this, and it immediately made me log into I, me too. every account to check and see if I got them. Was not the case. <laughs> me neither. Did you guys get these at all? I missed out. That sounds awesome. Everything that's been online has not happened to me. I so, know. Nope. It's so disappointing. Like. Hey, bonus XP, <laughs> golden legendary. I wonder if it's the people who missed the rewards got the golden legendaries. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe. there's a correlation there. I I really don't know. I mean, it's it's very minor news, but like, uh, it didn't happen to me either. So, I went online one night and um, I saw some conversations about people um, not getting experience. So I I did a match and um, I'm trying to finish up all the chests because I know once I finish the chests. I have to wait for weeklies and dailies to get to 50. And it looked like one of them didn't give me the proper XP. So for a second, I felt a part of the, the Twitter beef. I was like, yeah, I'm in the middle of this. I'm in the mix. But then I like recalculated and then I realized they gave me the proper amount. So then I was like, never mind. I'm not a part of it. So, <laughs> yeah. like, never mind. I hear that there is an update coming to Hearthstone Deck Tracker that will show you how much XP you earned after matches i'm really looking oh. forward to that yeah some downloads okay can i ask you guys a question yeah of course yeah did you feel like over like the last weekend or so that you started getting more experience from the same amount that you were playing because yes. like after that hot fix i feel like i was getting like 100 experience where i was getting like 20 or 30 before I didn't yeah. can, I, can i answer that right now i have a, yeah, i wrote that down today when i was streaming Ooh, so that's nice so I recorded an hour, my last hour play. So 
uh, and they were all wins except for one, the one loss. I got 105. I got 93 in a loss. I got 106, 115, and then 120. And when I hit the uh, the sage quest that that leg- that um, mage legendary, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got um, 684 from that. Wow! And okay. I was just so so. I'm, I'm glad you asked that because at, at at the beginning, I know everyone was complaining about the stuff. Initially, the only thing I complained about was not getting enough experience to get more gold because I can't make that hundred gold every day. But I've noticed ever since like last week or last weekend or whatever, like the experience per match has gone up. I, I started tracking it myself. They didn't say anything about it. it, but like I, I somebody mentioned it on Discord. On I don't know if it was your Discord or one of the other ones that I'm I'm a part of, but somebody mentioned it. And I was just like, really? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I started just sort of noticing that like I'd be playing the same length matches and I'd be making mm-hmm. way more experience. Like I'd be making experience in like secret mage matches that I was normally making in my achievement line cracker druid like deck that would be taken like, you know, 40, like I had a dead man's hand take me to the turn limit like the other day. And like, that was like maybe like a hundred XP or something. Hmm. I'm not too surprised that they slid it in there though. I wouldn't be surprised. I honestly, for me, I've not been, um, I've not been calculating mine. I've had, I've, I've been kind of watching it slowly increase and I've been trying to get the uh, achievements with the chests for the XP, but I've not been tracking for games. I'll do that over the next week uh, just to compare. Uh, that'd be Has interesting. Anybody though. noticed? Cause I know that it was never said that when you play duels, you're going to get experience, but has anybody played a game of duels and then looked at their experience and then looked at it after to see if it went up at all. Mm-hmm. Because Blue Train was talking about that last night. I don't. Th- I think if it's. I think you only get. Exp- I could be wrong on this. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. I think you only get experience if you are playing the paid version, like a like arena, right? You pay your hundred gold or hundred fifty gold. I think you get experience for that. In casual, I know you get experience if you unlock the achievements, right? So over the past week, I did a run uh, with Demon Hunter and got eight wins. And I, that boosted me like three levels because it gives you the achievement for eight wins, seven wins, six wins, five wins, four wins, three wins. And and so I got all of those like compounded on top of each other and it boosted, pushed me up, I think, two to three um, levels. Wow. But aside from that, I don't think I don't think you get normal XP. Yeah, I can't. I cannot confirm. I have like a memory could be false memory that it did go up slightly after doing a round, even though I got no achievements. But I, I'm not. I'm not confident in saying that that's true. I think there is a problem where duels weren't giving XP, and that was a bug. But I also wonder if, like, when would it give you XP? Would it give you XP after the duels match, or would it give you like a lump after like a run? Like, I don't. I don't know how they set that up. I don't know. I guess we'll have to do a little more experimenting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think the initial idea was that, hey, you get XP for playing Hearthstone. And so, but they've been a little uh, coy about how you get XP, how much it is. Mm-hmm. You know, initially they said it's 400 per hour. Um, but I think that that may have changed. And I, I'm not really sure what really what's going on. I'll, I'll try tracking mine over the next week. I'll play some battlegrounds. I'll play some duels. Uh, play some ladder in in wild and a little bit in standard, and kind of compare everything just to see. 
have yeah. a little uh, science experiment here. Yeah, I feel like that needs to be done because I feel like I'm I'm going crazy because I could swear I did a, a run of duels and then when I was done I got a little bit, but I yeah could be I don't know could be. So uh, they uh, released a bundle uh, a couple days ago called the Give Thanks Bundle, and which <laughs> which outraged everybody. Which uh, the the timing I think was was pretty bad. Um, yeah. What I thought was interesting about this, I mean, I the I think it was more so the idea, right, where the community's all bent out of shape about um, the whole battle pass thing, and and their their sort of response, and I don't think that it was uh, their response. I just think it was bad timing. Was buy more packs, get two legends, and they're old packs too. Like why the new set is out. My only complaint about this really is why the Dark Moon Fair just came out. Like, why do I want twenty Scalamance packs? Um, so, so not to defend it in a, like a, a fanboy way. It's the only thing I can think of. No, I mean, I'm I'm, Skull- I'm curious. That's fine. Scalamance was a better set than than yeah. uh, Dark Moon Fair, so they're I'd rather have those anyways. So, so it does two things at once. It'll give people two legendaries from the new set. Because that's new, relevant, shiny, and exciting. But then also, it will give you Skullamance cards that helps you because of duels. Oh, yeah. No, that makes sense. That of. makes sense. Uh, I mean, honestly, I the cards of. overall in Skullamance were better than the cards, in, in my opinion, anyways, than uh, Darkmoon Fair. So I ended I actually up. Actually, thought that was a really good deal. Like it, I. I... I made out like a bandit on that. I got a legendary in, in uh, the my twenty packs, so it was worth for me. It's definitely it's, a good value. It's not like the 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 cards have rotated or something. If you're a standard player, no, like, it's true. They're, they're there, and and there's achievements to complete your collection. I don't know. It 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 definitely was bad timing, but I also feel like possibly this is just something that they planned a long time ago that they're going to do a Thanksgiving bundle yeah, without thinking about the backlash that was going to come from the paid rewards track and stuff. This is just something that's something that's on the schedule. Like this was going to happen. They've known it's going to happen for the last four or five months or something. A hundred percent. They had planned for the year. It's not like they like corporate greed. Let's try to get people to give us money. Right. It's just bad timing. <laughs> from what happened before yeah yeah so, well and that's the thing i think so the the whole outrage thing it's very interesting in my mind because uh there's a lot of backlash at the devs and i think that a lot of the devs at least who are active on twitter are the people that make you know vfx and who make music and who make art and who make tavern brawl and stuff like that. And it's like, look, these people don't have any influence at all on the way that the price is set on this. And I think actually over the past year, they've been very responsive. Um, so I, I don't know, but because what we're seeing is because of all the backlash, uh, like just all the, the hate coming their way, this is kind of funny, uh, funny in a sad way, but like, so over the past week, I was looking forward to this blizzard, um, Australia, New Zealand, uh, we're planning on doing an, an AMA on Reddit, 
And so they had released this thing, Ask an Old God Anything, was planned for this coming Thursday. Um, and then they ended up taking it down because they were getting so much hate uh, yeah. from from the community that they ended up just pulling it. Which I don't blame them, frankly, man. because um, because all the questions were going to be about the stupid battle pass and people being upset about it. and so Oh, for sure. As, as soon as I saw that they announced that that was going to happen... I, I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> maybe, well, maybe let's not. <laughs> yeah, it, the timing, I don't know. I felt bad. So the, what I really felt bad about was, um, so we've got a bunch of friends over at Coin Concede who made the Blizzard launcher, which is just absolutely incredible. Um, yes, congratulations to them. Yeah, so congrats, um, Hat and and uh, Idlevice. And Bodicus is super Bodicus. cool, yeah, super duper cool to make the launcher. Like that's just incredible. And and unfortunately, it got overshadowed a little bit by all of the vitriol going around. And I just felt bad. Like all the comments there were like, "Blizzard, you suck. Blizzard, you guys just want our money." And uh, I don't. I just felt kind of bad for them. So I don't know. But since we're since we're talking about the battle pass. Um, what do you guys think about it? I mean, I'm genuinely, genuinely curious. And I think that it's perfectly, um, I think it's perfectly fine to be critical as long as it's constructive. Right. Um, so, but yeah, I'm curious. What do you guys think? I'll start with you, Hydra. What do you think? What do you, what is your hot take on this battle pass? I find it very engaging. It it makes me play the game more. I was looking at my games played this month compared to previous months, and I've already played hundreds of games more this month in comparison to before just because of the rewards that I get, right? So it's definitely working. It's making me play the game a lot more. When it comes to you know earning your gold and stuff like that, I fully get that when it's you're free to play and you're grinding that gold. You're getting your 10 gold per three wins. It can seem pretty crappy, right? And I can totally see that side. And as you stated, criticism is definitely encouraged and we can get the devs or whoever on the team to maybe help work on the game economy but yes, please just be constructive. There is a lot of people that are taking a lot of hate for not giving their, you know, full opinions on it. And I don't know if that's constructive. Like, basically, if you got your favorite streamer out there and they're not, you know, going, like, balls to the wall angry about it, they're taking hate for this. And I just, I just think that there's a better way to express how you're feeling about it than you know jumping on reddit and getting mad at your favorite streamer because they're not mad about it like everybody does have their own opinion and just if we can do it in a constructive way we can make the game better obviously i i feel like the the team has heard the message it's everywhere people are not happy about it let's just try to do it in the most constructive way possible yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll never forget when 
Quest Mage came out, and then they announced the nerf, and people thought that it wasn't enough of a nerf, and they were harassing Ixar when he was out on his honeymoon. And then people started sending him death threats, and it's like, okay, grow up. Um, there's, you know, there's constructive feedback, and what the, I think the problem is is any sort of constructive feedback gets overshadowed by threats. And, like, I don't know. It's just so counterproductive. Like, that's not how you get what you want. So, I don't know. Mike, what about you? What do you think about this whole thing? <clears throat> well, ever since the set came out and people were complaining about the way gold got taken away, at first I had no problem because I was sitting on a fast stack, was playing duels, I was making what I thought my gold back, having no problem, right? So then I get to a point where I start like running low on gold and then I'm not really making back what I was told I would. So my issue comes from not being able to replace gold that I spend very rapid and recklessly. It's not their fault for me spending as much as I want as fast as I do. But I think it sucks that I can't make it back at the same rate that I used to. No, I, I, I know what you mean, though. It, as soon as I hit that 100 gold, I like when I was trying to build my collection, it's like, snap, get a pack. Like the second I got that gold, right? And then now people are trying to get 3,500 experience so they can get to that next reward for their gold, right? Yeah, So so to finish that, my problem now at this point is I can understand if they don't want people to be able to like fly through levels to make gold too fast. But for me, it feels like it's even a little too slow for people who play as much as me based on uh, Corona uh, quarantine, staying at home time. Um, Cause I see Ben where he says he's at level 37 and I'm not knocking his determination or hustle, but I remember playing NBA 2K when they started my player and how much, how fast it is to go from like 60, 70, 80 to get it to 90. And once you get to 90, like from 90 to 91, it's like this gap. And then from 91 to 92, it's like the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering if it's going to take, and not, not Ben's skill level, just based on how this is built. I'm just wondering if it's going to take, how many days is it going to take for Ben to get from 37 to 40? And then once you get to 40, how how much of a grind it is to get to, through those levels? Because it kind of sucks if it's going to take a bunch of days to make a bag of gold. That's That's where it gets me. Like, people who play as much as me, I don't think it should feel, like, not easy, but it just feels, like, daunting. It's like, how many hours and days do I have to put in to get a bag of gold? That's what I don't want to feel. So how are they can solve that? Shmoopy, what do you think? So uh, this is going to be kind of boring, but I kind of um, equate it to like changes in taxing laws. Like what would you rather do? Would you rather pay exactly what you owe in taxes or, you know, when you owe it and ultimately like pay less up front, but not get, you know, the rebate at the end? Or would you rather pay too much in taxes and then get a big, like, check from the government that's just like, hey, you overspent in taxes, here you go. I love because that part. Because for a lot of people, <laughs> culturally, 
The second option is better because they're like, I'm going to spend all my money. So like the government's basically my bank. Um, whereas, you know, the first way actually more makes more like smart economic sense. If you're going to take that money and you're going to invest it wisely um, off the bat, you're going to make more and off of it in interest. And I feel like when they front loaded the rewards, that was really good for like casual players who are going to hit levels, you know, they're going to hit, you know, X number of levels throughout the expansion, but they're not going to put in a huge grind. So the majority of the rewards are kind of front loaded. But if you didn't realize that the majority of the rewards were front loaded and like most of the, you know, progress you were going to make was going to happen again, this is supposed to happen over four months, right? So we're going to make a bunch of progress and we're going to get like over halfway there within the pass. Um, and we're going to do that quickly. And now the next three months are like, oh my God, we have like another 15 levels to go. Like that's, yeah. that's you know, it, you could say it's it, it might be a design issue. Um, I think it's a big issue that like there were no statements coming out about this leading up, like previewing what this was going to be about, how this was going to be structured. Um, so a lot of this backlash, they kind of brought upon themselves by not really communicating all that effectively leading up to it. Like we got what, a, a survey that was leaked that people freaked out over. And then, mm-hmm. like, they tell us it was going to come out, and then it comes out, and people freak out over it. Like, like there wasn't any kind of, like, slow play into, like, hey, hey here are the numbers, here's what we're going to do, blah, 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 blah. It kind of feels like it just, it wasn't a finished system, and they knew it wasn't a finished system, and they pushed it out anyway because they had a deadline. I like that take. I agree. I like the, the example of the taxes. That's, that's good. And as a person who, like, I'm doing both. Like I have the the paid track and I also have the free track. And since I have the paid track and I, I see myself getting more out of it and I get excited when I get the new portraits and everything and then I go play on my free track, it seems underwhelming for me only because I have the the paid and the, the bonus that you get and the cool portraits and stuff. But when I switch over... I have like less incentive and it almost feels like daunting and that I may not make it when I'm playing the free version and that I'm not rewarded enough. So it almost like I'm not going to do it, but it makes me want to drop the 20 bucks to be able to get those rewards and get fast tracked. Right. Like it, it makes me sort of feel obligated to do it because I know what it's like on the other side being on the paid track. Right, like it, I, I can definitely see it. I am way further ahead on the pay track than I am on like the the free version of it because I'm more motivated because I have more cool things I can have. Right, the golden looking animated heroes and all that stuff. So, just thought I'd add that. All right. Well, let me let me contribute my my two cents here as well. Um, I think looking at this from a, from a a sort of management perspective, a lot of times we'll push out something new, a new policy, a new procedure, um, you know, a new whatever. And very rarely is anything a hundred percent perfect. Like right when we push it out, a lot of times it's, Hey, we've got this idea. We've talked through it. We think that it's pretty much right. So let's, you know, we're going to do this and then we'll have an after action um, we'll meet about it. We'll talk about what went right, what went wrong, and then we'll make any changes that we need to, to make. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's something like that here, like, Hey, this is a new thing. You know, they've got this idea 
and the idea that hey what we're play testing in house with like 30 people 25 people is very different than when it gets released to the public and now i've got you know 250,000 people 300,000 people however many people now experiencing this thing from a very different perspective overall i i'm a fan of the progression system i think that it's cool i think somebody uh had put it in terms of like this you know of the money that you put into the game do you feel like you're getting value out of it i like all the cosmetics i think they're cool historically like i remember dropping 10 bucks for um uh magni and what was the other one um the hunter one or whatever but anyways um and and that was like expensive so 20 bucks for what six you know three three for mage three for shaman plus i get the warrior one plus if i get to 50 you know where i think that um what i don't like in all of this just from my perspective is that typically my daily quest looks like this right it's empty all the time um i get um I almost wish that we got three a day or something. If we were really going to do this, like every time I log in, it just looks like this. And that makes me sad. Uh, I don't like that. You can only get XP on ladder. Like you don't get XP for achievements in casual, which kind of sucks. Cause that means that I got to tank my rank. If I want to do the Cthulhu quest or some of these, you know, wonky quests. I so I, I mean, I think that the system overall is pretty cool. Um, but it needs some, it definitely needs some fine tuning. Uh, I think, I guess where I would shift the conversation to is what do you think that could be done to make it better? And I agree with you guys. I think what, um, what would be really cool would be to reinstate the, uh, the 10 gold for every three wins or whatever it is, hundred gold for every three wins. Uh, I wish it was a hundred gold for every three wins. What is is it? Ten? I don't even remember. 10. ten gold for every three wins. That's like nothing, right? <laughs> it's barely any. But but if you but, play a yeah. lot, you know, it, you're incentivized for playing, and it it feels more like a reward than XP. Oh, if that was added, that would be so good. And I don't think that's adding that much, to be honest. Just reinstating that because that was pennies, anyways, right? Getting your 10 gold per three wins like adding that you have to play hours upon hours to get your 30 wins to get the full hundred. oh yeah gold, to get right? 100 per day and that doesn't like, there's no guarantee I've, that everyone's going to get 100 like no. you have to be really grinding if you're going to do that i don't have ocd but like i look at my gold and i have 280 and i'm like <laughs> can i please make that an even 300 can I please make that an even 300 somehow? How can I do that? Or at least you don't have that weird extra five gold thing going on from like an arena <laughs> award. Cause that oh, I, I had that. I had that. And then I, I finished a heroic duel and I got 35 gold and I'm like, yes. <laughs> the uneven amounts. They're so bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I think that that would f- like that would solve a lot of problems. Uh, I saw in the chat earlier, Wildcard was saying I think he said he's got thirteen hundred gold or fifteen hundred gold or something since since this thing started. Um, you know, I don't know. It just doesn't feel the same, uh, and I feel like my perspective on it may not be as valuable because I dump money into this game. I don't play a whole lot of other games, and and this is like the one that I wail out on, and so. Um, I do think that reinstating the, I mean, 
that would fix a lot of it for me is reinstate the 10 gold for three wins. Um, the other thing I think is interesting is I'm not sure about the price point. Like my son plays a lot of clash Royale and they have a monthly battle pass there that gives lots of rewards, uh, relatively easily. It's lots of cards, lots of gold, lots of stuff. It, for them, it costs $5 for a month. Mm. And so like, He's like, hey, dad, I want to play this with you. Will you play it with me? Uh, okay. It's kind of fun. It's real easy. The matches take a minute and a half. Um, sure, I'll play. And then I saw the rewards track. He was, hey, can I get this? He's playing a lot. Yeah, okay, five bucks. That's not bad. He gets all this stuff. And then I've been playing with him for the last week. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get it too because uh, it's only five bucks and I want all this extra stuff. You like double all of your... You get way a whole bunch of extra cards, a bunch of extra gold, um, and it levels up like really quick and easy. Like they could learn something from that. Um, and so, sure. if if they chop the price, you know, I don't know if this fixes the problem, right? But hey, cut it from twenty bucks down to ten bucks. You know, um, yeah. Even even the Fortnite battle pass because my son plays that. It's. I can't remember how much it is the first time. It's like $12 or something like that. But once you get it the first time, you can earn the in-game currency, the V-Bucks, and you can buy it the next month with your in-game currency. Oh, So you only buy it one time. So you hmm. spend your $12, and then you earn enough. And that's what I told him. I said, I will buy this for you once. You will earn the in-game currency, and then you will forever have the battle pass. And that's what he does. I bought it for him one time a couple years ago. I would almost feel better if you bought it for like three expansions. So like if they opened it up for like the start of next rotation, so like whatever, you know, whatever the, you know, the, this expansion ends and they start the next rotation, they rotate three out. I almost wish that it was like, all right, well, we're going to, we're going to say, you know, 40 bucks, three, three, uh, three expansions, take it or leave it. And like you can opt in whenever you want, but it would cover you throughout those three expansions. I would almost take that. But you know, I I'm not too knowledgeable as far as like other battle passes and how Hearthstone you know is comparable or incomparable. I know the rewards suck, like they've always kind of sucked. Um, but one positive I do kind of take away from the current situation is it's I'm not penalized for playing too much. And I feel like in the old system mm-hmm. where it was ten gold a win, uh, once I hurt, hit thirty wins. I was kind of incentivized to stop playing. Yeah, then they and, capped you, and you're like, you can no longer earn gold today. You're like, what? I'm not done. We'll talk <laughs> about it later, but like, you're talking about a guy who, day one of the month, I'm posting up 70 wins. So, like, you know, do the math. If I've done that for five months, how much gold am I? Am I out? Yeah. It's no, no, really that's a good. good point. That's a good point. Mm. I do want to. I do want to give a like the flip side argument here. Brian Kibler tweeted something out earlier today, and I want to read it just because I thought it was very um, poignant. That I, I think it's very easy to um, lose sight of the good things when we feel wronged about the bad things. And so what he was saying. So I'm just gonna. I'll, I'm just gonna read this real quick. He. This is taken a little bit out of context because he's replying to Orange and Soddle and Frodan. But he says, in what way is it getting more expensive? This year added duplicate protection, free new slash returning player decks, and free Demon Hunter cards. The progression system is intended to give players more gold and cards, and they've made changes already to uh, to make it give even more. 
I feel like a lot of the outrage is based on assuming the intent is to give people less when that's completely at odds with the staged goal or the stated goal uh, of the system. I think there are a lot of legitimate complaints, but people keep making this argument that doesn't make sense to me. You have to assume that Blizzard is both so nefarious as to outright lie about the system and also so foolish as to make their their deception easy to uncover, which is just a baffling combination of assumptions to me. Now, I... I um, it, it's clever. it is and i do think that um does it need some tweaking yes for sure they could change it to make it better i think they really should reinstate the daily like the gold for the wins on top of the xp i would like more daily like give me three daily quests instead of one um you know like ben was saying on here and i agree like when you get the weekly quests i'm done with those in a few hours couple few hours like they're easy um but at the same time like do we I think like when I see these YouTube videos with um, like uh, I, I know they're cl- I know it's clickbait, especially after talking to Jack. Like I know it's all clickbait, but when I see these captions like "Hey, Blizzard lied to us and this is not okay," um, I feel like that's going a little bit overboard. Um, I think yeah, I don't they, feel it was like their intention. No, and to, I think it's to, fine to, to lie because they know. Trust me, they've been on Reddit. They know what the, the the players of the game can be like. I don't think they would purposely do something like this. And I think that they're going to do the best they can to fix it. They're not trying to get rid of us, right? So Yeah. Well, and I appreciate his positivity. And I think he went on to say, like, hey, if you guys think I'm, I'm a shill for Blizzard, you know, don't forget about that time that I was supposed to cast the matches at BlizzCon and I dropped out because I disagreed with their chant, with their stance on uh, yeah. Blitzchung. So he did do that. And, you know, so I think that you can be critical. I think it's it's can you be critical in a positive um you know, in a positive way. Yeah, you can. So I don't know. It, it, it's interesting here. I think that there's some work to be done. The other thing um, that I thought was really interesting, I was chatting with this, uh, with blue train last night about this. And he was saying, Hey, here's, here's something else that, that everybody is forgetting. Like people complain, right? People all complaining all at the same time. And they want an immediate response. Um, and we see this in different, in different realms. I remember you guys remember a while back when there was that guy walking, no, there was that guy in New York central park and he was, uh, bird watching and the, the lady, um, had her dog off the leash and he had asked her to put the dog back on the leash. And then she called the cops on him was saying that he was going to, um, she was going to report him and he's threatening me and all this stuff. And it was all nonsense. And he, he had got it all on cell phone right and i remember the the absolute outrage everyone was calling for this lady to get fired from her job and all this stuff and this happened on a i just so that's the scenario i mean i'm not doing it justice it's a lot more complicated than that and this it was a horrendous thing that this lady did um but i remember because i work in management right this happened on a weekend and then people are angry at the company that this lady works for because they're not making a statement Meanwhile, like this is a Saturday or Sunday or something like they're not going to get something until, you know, everybody's back in the office on Monday and has a chance to digest this and they will make it a priority and they will get something out. But like people want something immediately. Right. Anyways. Mm -hmm. So what what Blue Train was saying is like, hey, number one, right, we're in the middle of a pandemic and the entire company is working from home. Okay, number two, 
this is a U.S. based company and it's Thanksgiving week. Like my office the past week, like I was working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but like my entire staff, like there was nobody there. You know, the whole week I had like out of 25 people, I had, you know, already I had half the people working remotely at any given time. And of the people who were actually in the office, I had like three or four people on any given day. And then it's the holiday. Like people are getting ready. People are, um, have a lot of prep work to do. And so I think if the community wants some big response, like immediately when everybody's working from home and on holiday, like it's not going to happen or you just need to be a little bit patient, like give it a week. Um, but that's not the age that we live in, right? Everyone wants immediate gratification. And so, uh, he was saying, Hey, next time, you know, they just watch, like they won't release a there's not going to be another bundle until, you know, after the holiday or, or another big announcement until after the holiday, uh, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, I don't know. It, it's been an interesting year for blizzard. I am pretty excited about a lot of the stuff that they've done. I do think that a lot of it still needs work, but that's fine. One I, thing I, I will add to that is at least like it, it may not be perfect right now and everyone isn't necessarily happy but we have so much more to do in the game than we used to. And they're definitely trying things. And they, I'm hoping, will take in all our feedback and try to better, you know, the reward system and what they've given us. But they've given a lot of the, like, since the team has been at home, we have gotten so much extra to the game, right? So I, I feel like that's important as well. And hopefully they get all this feedback and the correct changes are made. I know there has been some compensation and a little bit of a change to the rewards track and hopefully it gets better, but they've done a lot and I do appreciate having more to do in the game than I used to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, me too. And I think especially um, laddering right now, like, okay, I hit legend and how much do I want to grind on the legend ladder? Like, do I really want to try for a big finish or not? And you know, when I'm try like try harding, I have to focus a lot more than I do um, playing other modes. And so, if I want to just goof around, but I don't want to stop playing, like I'll switch over to duels. I'll switch over to battlegrounds, and I can play one of those without worrying about like tanking my rank or whatever. So, I like having options. It's good. Anyways. So, I mean, I'm happy that we discussed this. I don't, I'm not quite sure what else there is to say. I'm really curious to see where they go with it next. I mean, I feel like there's, um, there's more to come on this. I, I do think the the major shortfall of all of this was poor communication. Like you guys were mentioning earlier, you know, we, we found out about all of this because of the, um, the survey being leaked uh, we didn't even know the price of the battle pass until what the day before. And it was like, uh, you know, if you guys just shared a little bit of information, it would really go a long way. Mm-hmm. And so until, you know, until yeah, they wait and wait and wait and, uh, people get anxious, especially we're sitting here in a pandemic. A lot of people sitting around with nothing better to do. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you know, there's a lot of anxiety in the world right now to begin with, and so this isn't helping. Um, and I've noticed even for me at my work, like I have to deliver bad news all the time, or or maybe news that's not bad, but, but that people don't want to hear. But you gotta just get out, get it out. You know, hey, 
uh, we're going to start doing this. Hey, we're going to do that and let people digest it, answer questions. Um, so anyways, all right. Well, do you guys have any, anything to con- you know, add or contribute or, or, or anything before we move on to kind of our main topic for the night? I think we, we kind of touched on it already, but I just want to say like, I, I thought that this year and these three expansions have been a huge hit as far mm-hmm. as like the game goes, like Skull of Mance was ashes. I thought was like, you know, demon hunter was broken for a little bit, but like you introduce a new class and you're trying to make up all this history. You expect it to be a little broken just to make an impact, but it's kind of like the Dallas Cowboys when they're good, just the game's more interesting. Um, so <laughs> ashes, ashes was a, was a hit. I thought Skull of Mance was a hit. I thought, th- I think this expansion has been a hit so far. Like, I mean, the card, the, the card power level is lower, but I think, the flavor is better, so a lot of people are trying a lot of fun, kind of off-meta stuff. Like, yeah, you hit your aggro druids a lot, but like, I don't know. I, I feel like I've seen like new Cthulhu a lot. I've seen a lot of, um, you know, news off. Uh, I've seen a lot of tickets. <laughs> like, you know, like like people are playing around with a lot of the new cards, and they are having an impact on the meta now. Whether like a month from now, people are just going to be like, well, you know, this card kind of sucks. I'm going to go back to playing, you know, a good card instead of this new one. But I, I don't know. I like with duplicate protection and, and, and other stuff, they've they've done a lot of really positive things over the past year. So I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt on the battle pass thing and, and that they'll sort it out and they'll come up with a better system. Um and uh and just I guess go from there. Like I don't know. I like I think this like the kind of like the Reddit mob outrage just sort of it just irritates me, which is why I've I've been typing Blizzard guys, Blizzard Pied. And then like pie emojis just to just kind of like, just be like, just, it's, it's just a dumb mentality to just pile on so much. I don't know. So um, for me, just to close it out, um, I like that the system makes me when I, sometimes I used to think before the system came, like I'll play some Hearthstone, but then I'm already in legend. What's the point? I have nothing to push for. I could get a one K skin, whatever. Now that the system makes me want to check the track to see where I'm at, go to see what achievements I need to get unlocked to get more points. I just wanted to not feel as like I'm climbing Mount Everest. I don't want to feel like I'm never going to get gold in between like every three or four days. And I'm just coming from a viewpoint. Maybe I'm in a smaller percentage of offline, like outside of the game. Like there's a lot of more, there's a lot more serious things going on in life. So when I come to like online, like when I see this, a little bit of what Nate said, I've played a bunch of different games, been in different circles. When a new technology is introduced, I feel people should expect something to go wrong. And then when it does, you prop you give the proper feedback so that people creating it can address that. But all I've been seeing coming from like a chaotic real life to online is like this chaos online where it's like it shouldn't be chaos because it's just a game where people give you feedback and then the people who make it adjust to that i don't understand the attacks past the level of stating what your issue is and waiting for them to get back to you that's all i got on it well said yep i like it well said well said for sure what with my work when we create like a new instrument or a new generation of instrument and um we do testing and we find out that this works, everything's going better, it seems better than before, and then we ship it to somewhere 
else in the world and they start using it and they're like, something here is not working right. And they give us feedback and then we go back to our engineers and we redesign and we fix things. But no one's, you know, yelling and screaming and swearing or anything, right? Like we, we, we try to take it like professionals and try to do things the right way. So I think the community could be a little more but, you know, also the community may be on the younger side of things and maybe <laughs> more mature, possibly. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, in, in the professional world, things go, as far as I see it, where I work, a little more mature and better and constructive. Let's put it that way, constructive. Yeah. Okay. I Well, I appreciate your guys' thoughts on this. I think that um, we're all coming from pretty much you know, the, the same ideas and, and I like hearing, you know, what y'all think we could do. They could do a little bit differently. And, and honestly, I think if we give them time, I mean, they've obviously heard the feedback that people are not satisfied and I expect that they will do something, you know, what it is. I don't know, but like they've been relatively quick to make adjustments. I mean, they, mm-hmm. last week they said, Hey, okay, we, we get it. Uh, a bunch of, uh, old, you know, packs for old, old cards at the end of this doesn't make sense. All right, we'll swap yeah. those out for money instead or for gold instead. Mm-hmm. And they did. And it was, you know, 200, 300, um, you know, it, they're still not as quick to, 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 to get them. Um, but I think that just them being open to, to hearing this, to make changes, I think they'll probably do something. Um, and if they don't, then they'll, they'll continue to hear about it. I mean, I do think there's this contingent of people that are uh, never going to be happy no matter what. Everybody wants a, a refund of their free stuff. and um, <laughs> But overall, like overall looking at this year in a nutshell, it, it's been a crazy year. You know, everybody's on edge to begin with. Uh, everything is very politically charged. The, the pandemic is happening. There's a lot of... Um, just anxiety in general. And then people, this is where they come to escape. Right. And you go mm-hmm. to your happy place and it's not happy. Like, you know, that's not good. So, but I, I think, you know, in the big picture, Hey, we got a new class this year. Like they said for years, they were never going to do that. And then they did. And then they gave everybody all the cards for free. We got the mm-hmm. random, the random card back is relatively new. I don't remember quite when it came out. Uh, we've got the duels is new battlegrounds is relatively new uh i mean there's a there's a handful of stuff i mean that they've been making some pretty big changes um a bunch of there's a bunch of new skins that like for years and years and years we barely had any and now we got you know 15 new ones over the course of this year uh poor rogue is never going to get any but that's just an ongoing joke at this point but anyways um hey some sub hype we got some sub hype in chat. Yay, very cool, Ben. Ben's gifting out subs. That's very nice of you, Ben. We appreciate it. Uh, anyways, all right. Well, let's let's move on. Let's move on to the next topic of the night. We're going to talk about some secret mage tonight. So that's what you all came here for. <laughs> um, so I'm excited to talk about this. So before uh, before we we get into the nitty gritty, um, Schmoopy and I have been talking. Uh, previously, and this is basically your pet deck, right? And, and typically, each month you will hit legend in the first what one, two, three days of of the month, right? The last and, five months, I've hit day one twice and day three three times. 
Wow. So we're talking about speed legend climbs here, and then you typically will use secret mage, right? I will use secret mage, and not only will I use secret mage, I those five climbs, I basically use the same list that a secret mage would have played in Saviors of Oldham, but I swapped out duplicate for is uh, Netherwind Portal, and um, and just literally through Skullamance ran the same list that was successful in Ashes. I just kept running it. Nice. Well, and I think that goes to say uh, to a couple of our earlier points. I mean, number one, that you can be running the same deck over a long period of time with very few changes makes me, you know, pushes towards that argument that Wild is not all that expensive, that you can use the same deck for um, years with, with only a couple of cards changing. And also it goes to show that, um, you know, it's also, it's not just the deck that's going to carry you. It's how you play it. And so, um, we were talking earlier, you had shared a couple, um, articles with me. One was about reaching legend in Hearthstone for the first time. One was about secret mage in general, from your perspective, like how do you approach these legend runs? Um, well, I think, um, so you, you want to talk about legend, uh, legend climbing first? Yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter. I, I, I guess, sure, um, yeah, no. I think that cause once we get into the deck itself, we're, I, we'll I have, go down I a rabbit home. hole. Sorry. I have homework. So like I, I, if you're, if you're switching up the order of things, I just got to flip my paper. Oh, I apologize. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. Um, so, um, the way I kind of approach my speed run or, or just my mentality in general well, toward kind of, approaching kind of, legend is kind of both, yeah. I, 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 I want to, I want to get it over with as fast as possible. I, I played uh, soccer pretty competitively uh, through college um, from maybe the age of like five. And so like, I really enjoy that intense competition and I still have like a thirst for it, but at the same point I'm burned out by it. So once I hit legend, like hit legend, still like like my boss battles still give me butterflies. Um, I I I still have this this like feeling like every month that I'm never going to hit legend again. So yeah, I still get butterflies from my boss battle. I feel every month like like oh man, last month was a fluke. You're never going to get legend that early again. And like you know, there are even times when I'm in the middle of my climb that I feel like I'm not going to hit legend then I'm just going to be stuck at D5 for the rest of the month. Just as ridiculous as that sounds as I still get that feeling. Um, But I kind of don't want to lose that feeling because that's kind of what makes hitting legend special for me. Um, But, you know, I, I, I had these periods in my life where I had such intense competition that I enjoy it, but at the same time I'm burned out. So I want to hit legend as fast as possible so I could do dumb stuff for the rest of the month, whether that's achievement hunting, whether that's making uh, passable homebrew, um, and playing that and gatekeeping people like <laughs> like my 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 favorite my favorite pastime is like gatekeeping raza priests with my homebrewed uh beast cracker druid before guardian animals was nerfed rip guardian <laughs> animals um like i just i i just i i love hitting legend and then being that guy that's just just like wow it, it really doesn't matter for me um so i have some tips if this sounds like something that you'd want to try um tip one would be uh use something fast uh, I picked Secret Mage, and I, I just want to plug uh, Cow Tipper and his guide in um, Ashes of Outland. Uh, if you read the guide, the meta it has shifted so much. Like you know, so much has changed since the beginning of Ashes of Outland when he made the guide. But the general principles on how to play Secret Mage is still good. 
and I'm still using those principles. And part of the reason why I use Secret Mage is my my games last an average of five to six minutes. Um, now, Nate, I think it's going to be a great contest between you and I as to who plays faster, because I play on mobile and I probably take a couple seconds per turn, <laughs> um, mostly because I'm doing most of my thinking on my opponent's turn. And, I do the same. Yeah, and I react pretty instinctively. And if you play a deck long enough, I feel like you can kind of like make a lot of the, like the correct plays reacting instinctively. But there are a couple times I'll catch myself being like, "Oh, I should have slowed down and done this instead." But for the most part, I, I just I just jam games as fast as possible. So I would use something fast first and foremost. I just want to say Second, I, I sorry. Let me interrupt ahead. you real quick. I do. No, go ahead. Please. I kind of do. I do that same thing, right? Where I'll play. Typically, we'll play pretty fast. And and that's what people will harp on me for is like, hey, you're playing too quickly. Uh, but I will say that I do the same thing where I, I feel like the game is a lot like chess where you're planning your moves out ahead of time. So typically, like on turn one, I usually I can tell what my opponent's deck is already unless they play nothing for whatever reason. But typically, you know right away what it is. Okay, how am I going to counter that? And then I'm looking at my hand and right off the bat, I know, okay, what am I, what is my plan? Turn one, turn two, turn three, turn four, based on my hand. Um, and then I, and then I think about that during their turn and then, okay, you know, what are my options? I can play, you know, on any given turn, typically you've got one, two, three options, maybe depending on what deck you're playing. And so, okay, my plan is to do this, but if they do something crazy, then here's my backup plan. And so then I watched them play and then typically like, I just like, I already knew what my plan was and then I just execute it and people are like, Oh my God, slow down. Um, now I, I do think that there is something to be said for taking your time and thinking things through. You want to think about all the different possible outcomes, but I also agree with what you said in that, um, you know, the more you play a deck, you start to learn the ins and outs of it. What, um, you know, synchronizes well with, uh, you know, with each other, what are the different um, possible outcomes or what are the kind of combos that not everybody uh, sees right off the bat? I mean, I play a lot of Q block. And so there's some, there's some things that, you know, you don't learn, I guess, until you've done it a hundred times. And, and uh, I think that you could say that about pretty much any deck. So I, I agree with you there. And I just wanted to kind of back up your point there, but I agree. I'll catch myself doing some weird stuff sometimes and then kind of like thinking about it like after I've already done it and been like, oh yeah, that's actually a good idea. Like, <laughs> like, like, I, I, like I've found myself recently just like tempering out a Kieran Tormage but not playing a secret behind it because it's not something I want to play right now. Like I, I, I'm saving it for something or, or like there's a specific situation that I'm setting up that secret for. So I'm like, well, I guess I just play the 4-3 then. Yeah, well, yeah. and sometimes and like, playing, and it's like it's like I, that's probably objectively correct given the situation. I'm trying to apply pressure. I'm, I'm 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 trying to make sure that I'm applying tempo, and you know, it's just like you know, sometimes you play suboptimally to play optimally, kind of thing. Oh, I agree, hundred percent. We were doing that last night. It was with um, with Ben. You know, especially against an aggro deck, it's like, hey, hey, sometimes you need to drop Midi's valet on two even though, you know, with no secret, even though it sucks, but you need a body on the board to contest the board. And so, um, you know, you're making the suboptimal play or with secret mage, I think, which is probably at least arguably the deck with the most synergy 
in the game of Hearthstone. Um, is that because it's Ixar's pet deck? Maybe. Uh, but <laughs> but I think that it's it's also been around for a long, long, long time. And uh, but not all the secrets synergize well with each other, right? You you have to play them correctly. Um, you know, when I drop a um, Cabal Lackey, I don't want to play Duplicate with it because I don't want two of those. But so it may be the correct play to play your Cabal Lackey and don't play a secret with it. Um, you know, or there, there's a lot of that. And like you were saying, you play your Curantor Mage uh, without a secret behind it it may be the right thing to do, but it takes, um, you know, a lot of playing and a lot of, uh, a lot of games. I don't know to, to, to kind of realize that. So it, that's definitely true. Um, I was versing an odd paladin and I got, uh, flak mage and, in the first couple turns of the game and I ended up tempoing it because I knew I had Ancient Mysteries and so I was going to draw a one mana or zero mana secret, right? So, like, throw it out there they didn't have anything to kill it well, that thing stuck and I ended up uh, getting a Cabal Lackey after that, so I got a secret cleared the board, then I got a Cabal Lackey with another secret which uh, ended up being uh, what's it called? Uh, Flame Ward. So I got that stacked up. But yeah, so there's definitely those intricacies where this is your matchup. This is how you're going to play it. And yeah, that worked that worked out quite well. Um, what is your approach in general to... I mean, what, I guess what is your next step? We're talking about Legend Climb here. All right, so my next tip uh, would be to use something you enjoy. Like, don't just like play Aggro Druid because... Like that's a fast deck. I would I would pick something that's fast that you enjoy. Um, hopefully, you can find something that you enjoy. Like I, I would even like venture like these days if I was going to try my legend climb with something other than secret mage, I might even try to do do it with like a mech hunter, like just like a like a really fast um, go wide aggro deck um, that like I used to enjoy back in the day. Because it's just, you know, you're going to be playing a lot of games. So whatever you're going to play, you better enjoy it. If you don't enjoy Aggro Druid, I don't suggest, you know, jamming Aggro Druid. Find something that you enjoy. Play Dude Paladin. Play something that's, you know, aggressive and fast, but something that's fun. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I agree. I mean, there's advice. that's super good advice. Um, and I think there's decks like Aggro, Aggro Druid is a ridiculously strong deck. I really do not enjoy playing it at all. Neither uh, do I. And but like, can you hit legend with it? Yep, you know. But you have to enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, your climb is not going to be. Uh, it's not going to be fun. And I think that part of that, you know, there's a lot of psychology here. And if you're not having a good time, you're not going to be as successful. I mean, we're talking about like when I when I hit legend on like a day three. We're talking about I've played upwards of 140, 150, sometimes 160 games. So like that's a lot of games to put in in three days. You're going to want to enjoy the deck you're playing all those games. And honestly, if you enjoy the deck, it also helps you get through some of those tilty periods where you're going to have periods where you're going to just like your draw is going to suck. It's a card game. You're going to have some, some, some runs where your draw is going to suck or you queue in the bag matchups. And the thing that's going to stop you from swapping decks necessarily to something that. 
like I, I think I, I, I this is kind of my, my third tip. So I'm kind of like weaving it into my third tip. I wouldn't swap decks until you hit D5. I wouldn't start like playing this like counter cue, like rock, paper, scissors. It's like, oh, my pocket meta until you hit like a D5 day one. Because it, it doesn't really take until like D5 day one when you start seeing the same people over and over again. Yeah. And you start knowing who you're playing against. Like maybe the first time you played them, like Warlock for me is a secret mage. Warlock for me as a class is a nightmare. Because my mulligan for Warlock, if it's a discard Warlock, I would love to have flame, flame rune, uh, explosive runes. If it's a, a cube lock, <laughs> explosive runes is the worst secret to have up turn one because if they're smart and they see you set a secret and they figure out it's not counterspell they're going to drop a void caller and then you're in trouble learn that so, one the hard way <laughs> so and 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 thank goodness this is a dead deck but back when it was mechathun that was also a nightmare because that's a completely different mulligan so when i see a warlock i'm like oh god which is it going to be um but when you start seeing the same person over and over and over again you start to learn what their deck is right when you see their user tag. So you're like, okay, it's this. And it helps your mulligan. So so even that little bit of information can help. And that's kind of like my one little taste of like what it must be to, to be high on the legend ladder where you're queuing into the same people over and over again. You kind of might be, you kind of sort of learn what decks they're playing. Unless there's someone like, you know, I, I mean, Gold Daniel comes to mind because he's, you know, always playing a Warlock deck. So it's like, all right, I'm, I'm playing Warlock deck. Great. But, you know, for the most part, you can kind of tell, all right, you know, oh, Corbett must be on his Dark Lair kick. So you kind of like, you can kind of figure out who's who. Um, and the same thing happens day one at D5. You start seeing the same even, you will never see so many even shamans as <laughs> when you get to Diamond 5 on day one. Like, they're, they're everywhere. They're, it's lousy with them. Um, and you learn who they are, and it, and it helps your mulligan, because even Shaman is a much different mulligan than Big Shaman. Like, Shaman's another kind of nightmare mulligan class until you figure out who you're playing. So I wouldn't swap decks to, let's say, like an Odd Warrior or like a Raza Priest until you hit uh, Diamond 5. Because really, once you hit Diamond 5, you've only completed half of your Legend climb. Yep, agreed. Agreed. Especially um, if you don't have that sweet, sweet 11-star bonus. I, I am 10 stars for life. Like, I've, yeah. I've never hit Legend with 11 stars. I've never played good enough decks for long enough in a month to ever earn 11 stars. And I probably never will. Um, it's just, it's not, I don't want to be that competitive for that long because I will burn myself out. So. And then you might get used to it. And then want to always have that 11 star. <laughs> and then I'll have like this anxiety. I've got to keep my 11 stars. And it's I just, like I, it just, it doesn't sound like a way for me to enjoy the game. Yeah, definitely not. There's just too much other stuff going on that I want to do than like always think about keeping eleven stars. Like, I don't know. Good. Yeah, no. And I think we'd rather enjoy the game, right? The anxiety, um, it took me a long time to get over like the latter anxiety in general, just trying to grind for legend. I mean, after doing it, what has it now been like I don't know, eight or, eight or nine months in a row, longer than that now. I don't know. I, anyways, it's been a long time at this point. Um, and even then, I agree with you. Like once you, I start hitting that, you know, rank two, oh, okay. Rank one, oh God, here it goes. And I still get nervous about it, you know. Um, it's, I never get sick of seeing that, that beautiful uh, little orange hexagon by my name. But it's, it's still, you know, it's kind of... Uh, 
uh, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is, but there's definitely some psychology there. It's still special. And I, it's, it's so funny because like once you hit it, like I remember, especially because I hit election day this year. Right. And it was, I just hit it in the afternoon right before I had to go vote and I hit it. And it was like, this weight was off my shoulders. I was just like, look at all. I'm like, everybody else I was queuing into was like a, was like a D4, a D3. And I'm like, look at all these tryhards and how much they're sweating right now. Yeah. And I'm playing charge priest. Like, it's just, there's <laughs> just like, there's something to be said. Oh, I, I messed up some, some poor odd warrior who was on like diamond two and just cruising, like just did not have a good time with charge priest. Um, like, it's just like, there's just something to be said about like, I can do what I want now. It's great. But yeah, and um, I guess my final tip, tip number four would be, uh, and I've underlined this on my notes, uh, this is really dumb, but it's a don't tilt forehead. Just don't, don't, don't get upset. Don't start playing badly because, you know, you feel, you know, your emotions are starting to get the better of you and you're starting to get frustrated with the game. Understand that it's a card game, that... Um, it's a card game with RNG involved. Like with normal card games, bad luck happens. With normal card card games, with 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 card games with RNG, it's like twice as likely to happen. So just just roll with the flow. Sometimes you just go next. And on the matches that you lose, I try to spend more time thinking about when I lost that match than losing the star. If you're thinking more about how you lost the game than opposed to, oh, I lost a star because I lost that game, you're in really good shape. Um, and part of what helps me not tilt is the second article I had you um, attach, Nate, which was all about um, these simulations that Hearthstone-net, uh, sorry, Hearthstone-dex.net, I butchered that, but you guys get the idea. Mm-hmm. Um it's Neon Sight. Uh, he does an awesome job. But he, he put out this article, and it really helped me um, stave off some tilt, where um, he looked at different simulations and how long it would take given your star bonus, um, your win rate, and the number of games you play. On average, how long would it take for you to hit Legend? And the numbers are pretty accurate. At least they, they work pretty accurately for me. Um, you know, It says the average number of games I should hit should be somewhere between, you know, 120 and 200. And I'm usually around, I'm usually around 140. If I'm, if it's a really hot month and I hit day one, um, I'll have played like anywhere from like 60 to 80. So um, you can kind of figure out once you know your win rate, you can kind of figure out exactly how many games it's going to take for you to, to hit legend. And as long as you're not tilting while you're playing those games to the point where it's, it's hurting your play. If you're thinking about your play constructively and about how you can improve, and you're keeping your mindset positive, um, the more games you play, the closer you're going to get to where you want to go, whether it's Legend, whether it's Diamond 5, whether it's Diamond 10, whether it's Plat 5, like, because you've never gotten there before. Um, you know, just, just concentrating on improvement and, like, how you could improve um, and knowing that the odds are on your side, that the more games you play, the better off you are. Because I feel like a lot of people, they'll have, like, a streak of, like, two, three bad games, and they'll say, okay, I'm done for the night. And if you're tilting so hard that that's going to affect your play, that's probably a good move. But I think for a lot of people, like if, if you're really not tilting that hard, you're just, you're just for whatever reason, you're just like, all right, well, I'm done for tonight. Um, 
it's it's almost like a, a double-edged sword it's like or, or i should say it's like it's it's bad in compounding ways because one you're not giving yourself the opportunity to queue into your good matchups um and two you're not putting in the games that would it would take for you to reach where you want to reach so like you know just just sort of saying like all right well i've i lost a game so i'm done for the night it's it's, it's kind of a bad way to go guilty uh, it, I have this thing in my head where I need to be like a 70% win rate kind of player. And it's the dumbest thing. And so like I, cause I've had runs. I had a run when even shaman was new where I posted, I believe it was in dad legend. And I was playing wild. It, I went like 39 and three. It was ridiculous. And like, sometimes I have, like these amazing days like this. And then I'll come on and I'll play five games in a row and then I'll lose one just before I got rank five. I'm like, screw this. I'm out. I get all mad about it <laughs> just because I lost like one game. Right. That's and it's a, a really yeah. bad thing that gets in my head because like I will set myself up to fail based on like, I want to have like, I, you look at Twitter and you see all these amazing win rates and everything everybody's doing. And then you can spend a whole evening just going one for one, right? Like 50% win rate the whole night and just get discouraged, which is, it's a really bad attitude to have, but it does get to me. It's something that happens that I need to keep in my mind. that The game is designed for you to like, it's supposed to be balanced, which means 50-50. Um, to be an above average player is to, you know, be above that. But when you have those those times, that's okay, right? Like, sometimes you can go date, like, I've logged on and gone 2 and 10, right? And you kind of tanked your rank and you feel kind of crappy about it. But having a high expectation and having a goal of, you know, say you're at diamond 10 and you're like hey i'm gonna get legend tonight and you you don't get it like maybe you set yourself up to fail and i have done that countless times of giving myself a goal instead of thinking okay i'm gonna play 20 games tonight and i'm gonna try to get better at this archetype i would tell myself i'm gonna get to this rank tonight not a good idea yeah yeah like I don't, I don't set rank goals for myself. Um, sometimes what I'll do like, okay. So like last month, last month was probably one of the, one of the most brutal climbs I've, I've ever witnessed. Um, because it was literally, I, 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 I'd have to call up the numbers, but I, I'm not kidding. One third of my games were against either aggro druid or Reno priest. Now <laughs> I was, right. I was good enough in those matchups. I went 10 and 9 against Reno Priest, and I went 16 and 9 against the Aggro Druids, that those weren't my worst matchups. But um, it's just like, it was just, it, it felt like a slugfest the entire way up. But at one point, day one, I was at rank two and three stars with a 75% win rate. And I know, I know me, I know that I'm a 66% win rate. Historically, it's just it's what I've been with with Secret Mage for whatever reason the matchups whatever. So I was at, I was above my my win rate, and I I have thought about stopping, but it's just like no, just put in more games. You'll get closer to Legend. And I ended up finishing the day with about a fifty five percent win rate. So there is definitely like a like a 
there's definitely a time where it's just like, okay, I should walk away and take a break. But like, I was so close to getting day one. I couldn't, I couldn't help myself from not trying to push and get there. That's funny. I, I want to jump on this a little bit because I'm kind of in the same boat where it was, um, last month I did that. I jammed, I think it was on day three I hit and I was playing, um, Oh God, I don't even remember what, what deck I was playing. Anymore. I think I ultimately got there with Q block, but like I, I put in close to 200 games and on my final, my final stretch, I went 10 and two or something, something like that. 10 and two, 10 and three, 10 and one. It was like, it was something like it was a good solid win rate. Right. And so I, what people need to keep in mind is, um, you know, when you see these things posted on Twitter or Reddit or whatever, like, of course I'm going to post, Hey, I just hit legend. I went 10 and two with my Q block list and here's my list. And, and I, you know, I hit, you know, 300 legend or whatever. And that's great. But like when I sat down and I looked at that 200 game chunk, 55% win rate, like that's what it was. And then I looked at my overall win rate and, and then we had, so we had, um, smudge on the show not too long ago within the last month or so and who is like the king's bane expert right and she was talking about it and she pulled up her win rate and she hits legend every single month for years and it was the same thing she was hey i'm looking at my overall win rate here it was like 55 to 57 percent um and so that's very normal um and i think that you know are, are there players who are exceptional? Yes, but but can it be done if you take the time to learn the deck, uh, learn from your mistakes, try to not tilt? Um, absolutely. So, And I even love this part um, about that article that's, that uh, you've probably got linked. Um, it even goes through like hitting Legend with a 45% win rate with 10 stars. Because... Streaks do happen and rank floors exist. So like it's possible for you to hit legend even with a sub 500 win rate just because odds are if you jam enough games, you're going to get a hot streak. You're going to get there. Not to mention that um, I'm kind of in a unique position where like I will play in the beginning of of the month when I'm doing my climb, I get to get up to a point where like I've hit raffle off stream trying to hit D5 like, playing a serious deck, like, not playing, like, I, I hit him playing, like, odd DH, and, like, I've heard him play against Secret Mage so often that, like, I was trying to set secrets that, like, what does Raffle think I'm going to play? What do I think Raffle thinks I'm going to play? And so, like, that hurt my brain. Uh, but at the same time, I'm also, <laughs> since I play some absolute garbage, by the end of the month, I'm playing people who are also still trying to hit Legend. And there is a definite drop-off in the quality of player from day one to day 30. So like you could have a 45% win rate, but at the same time, you're still in it because at the end of the month, there's a chance that like the people you're playing against are not the same. (laughs) They're they're probably not the same people you were playing at against earlier in the month. If you were getting your butt kicked at D five. So like, it's, it's just, it's, it's worth it to keep going. Even if you're just like, Oh, I'm sub 500. I'm never going to make it. Well, no, like I think the simulation says like after like, 600 games, you're probably going to get there. Yeah. 600 is a lot, but <laughs> if you're playing... That's over a month, Think about that over a month. If you're playing an aggro deck, you can do it. And there totally. you go. 
<laughs> well, all right. Well, let's let's talk about some secret mage then, and and shift uh, once more. So, I had asked you this question earlier, and I think you threw it back to me a little bit. But, like, what you've been playing secret mage for a long, long time. So, my question is, what is the perfect secret mage? <laughs> so the the perfect secret mage. Uh, I was going to look up your little graphic from 2017, and just give you that definition. Um, but, you know, just to explain what the deck's all about for people who might be new to the game and are listening to the podcast. Yes. Um, it's, it's an aggressive tempo-based deck. Um, so that means you're, you're always trying to play for the board. You're always playing minions that are going to stick on board and uh, stick around to do damage to the opponent's face and not die right away. But at the same time that you're doing that, you're also doing what are called targeted draws, where you're pulling specific cards from your deck and you're thinning your deck out so that later in the game, when you're looking for um, your burn cards to finish the game off, um, magically, Secret Mage deck, uh, top decks are always good. Well, that's because that's how the deck is functioning, right? You're taking out all the secrets so that late in the game, you're not top decking secrets. You're top decking a Lunith or you're top decking Cloud Prince, you're top decking Burn to finish the game off. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, your targeted draw, your secrets, are, in my mind, the way I use them at least, um, they siphon tempo away from the opponent. So you're stopping your opponent from doing something powerful or from counteracting something that you were doing on board. So, um, you know, it's it's not an aggro deck. It's a tempo deck. Um, in an aggro deck, you're kind of, you're, you're always going face, but you're kind of just sort of unloading your hand. Um, Secret Mage is a little bit more tactical and has a little bit more... Um, has a little bit more utility than an aggro deck. It has a little bit. It, it's a little bit better into its bad matchups, um, but it might be a little bit slower because it's it's trying to be a little bit more refined in its approach. Um, and yeah, so I you 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 threw the perfect secret mage deck at me. Uh, I wanted to throw it back at you. What's the perfect cube block deck? <laughs> um, okay, okay. So here's my answer. The. I, I think we were talking about this earlier in the month, right? Where we've got enough cards in the pool now um, where any of these decks now we're looking at. So the the decks can have um, only 30 cards, right? And we've got so many good cards in, in the wild uh, card pool that my perfect deck now is like, 32 34 36 cards right and so trying to figure out what i'm gonna cut um that's the hard part and so when uh building one of these decks like there's obviously a core and like you were saying when you look at um you know what was core secret mage back in 2017 is pretty much still core secret mage today with a couple changes you know and um we say this all the time especially on the card review is um with wild decks in particular, like I think we focus more on synergy than we do on power level. And so the deck has to work really well with the other cards in the deck. And so it's not necessarily what is the strongest. It's like what works well with all of the other cards in my deck. And so still like with this, the Q block, it's the same idea where I've got about like my core. Now the deck is optimized to the point of about, probably 24 to 26 cards are like really solid. And then I've got a couple flex spots 
and those change. So, so I mean, what is my perfect list? I actually brought it. Okay, so here's my perfect list. Uh, but you know, it, it also is like what is perfect for me is not perfect for someone else. Where I've got someone like um, Paulman who swears on the like the rat catcher and the sanguine uh, sanguine. Holy flex with the gold on this list. Yeah, this is expensive. But <laughs> is so, this the one that you and Gold Daniel? came up with it it is but i think that there are a couple flex spots in this one too um where you know you could easily you could pull out taron gorphy and you could pull out witch willow you could pull out vectus um you know but some of its core right i have to have the defiles i have to have dark skies sense demons void collar cube uh the skull you have to have the dreadlords melganis void lords goldan ben would say don't play in his auth because it's a bad card but i like it uh, so it, but, but that, but that's like four fifths of the deck, right. Is like, can't change. And then I've got maybe five or six cards that I like to play that I know the interactions on and why I like to play them. Um, and so like, this is my perfect list, but it may not be your perfect list. I will say that it's, it, it's pretty much optimized, um, but yeah, I mean, there's easily like four to six cards that you could um, tweak out uh, very easily. So I, I think that's your point, right? Is that there's not there's no perfect list. Uh, yeah, my and and but this is such a big change because the archetype itself, like the deck, is basically unchanged since Saviors of Oldham until this expansion. You're talking about Flame Ward came in, Flak Mage came in, and the deck's weakness to white boards got a lot uh, got shored up. Um, like Hydra was saying, like Flak Mage won that game against Odd Paladin. Odd Paladin was like an instant concede mm-hmm. before Flak Mage was a thing, before Flame Ward was a thing. Mm-hmm. So the deck that I was hitting Legend with the last five months, aside from Netherwind Portal, could very easily, like if you sub in Duplicate instead of Netherwind Portal, it was the same list from, from Oldham. So when you start talking, you get a bunch of secret mages in a room. It's kind of like a puritanical society. Like, like <laughs> it's very, it's very snooty and it's just like, oh, well that card doesn't belong there or that card doesn't belong there. And you get into debates about like who's better Luna or Polkelt, uh, or like certain secret ratios, but by and large, everybody agrees pretty much what the deck looks like. And what's so unique and weird and different about Dark Moon Fair is Secret Mage got so many good cards. Um, and I'd argue like, like really solid cards that um whereas like the optimum correct secret mage was basically not up for debate up until this point i think now you're talking about possibly building secret mage four five six different ways and it being a good functional deck um i've i've spent the last week and a half kind of like chopping and changing and testing them all and while i definitely have types and builds that i prefer they all work they're all functional decks they're all powerful Um, and I can talk about specific details about why, but that was my point with Q-Block. It's like, you could call up Q-Block on, like, Neon site or on, like, Hearthstone, you know, Hearthstone Top Decks or something like that, and you could get a bunch of different lists, and some of them, like, they they pretty much, 75 to 80% of the lists look exactly the same, and then it's the flex cards that are different, and that's based on personal preference. So, you know, I think... Secret Mage is going to go through this culture shock where it went from like, no, this is the correct way you play it, 
and anything that you do that's different than this is wrong to better get used to some flexibility, boys, because I think it, it's it, there's going to be a lot more room for personal preference and, and flexibility. Which actually makes it hard to play around certain things when people are all running different cards in it, which I find very interesting. Yeah, yeah, it used to be. It used to be like I used to love playing against Secret. I still do, but like if I'm playing against Secret Mage with one of my other like off meta decks, I love doing it because generally I know exactly where the weak points in the deck are, so I know where to apply pressure. So like it's it's like very predictable. Like if I'm playing if I'm playing like a line cracker deck, like I'm not even trying for the combo. I'm I'm just waiting for them to Alunith and gaining armor. Or I'm gaining just the right amount of armor. Or I'm tempoing out my removal. Or I'm tempoing out a line cracker. And then I'm when you don't kill it, because you can't, it has ten health unless you're gonna burn a couple fireballs on it. I'm throwing bees on it and throwing that at your face and popping your block early. So like there's like stuff you can do to just kinda like mess with them. And uh, and that's going to be a little bit harder to do because um, right now the builds are kind of all over the place. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Well, and part of it is, you know, we had a difficult time assessing these cards when we're doing the card review because some of them, like, you don't know if it's good until you've played it, right? We had no idea, is Game Master going to be good or not? Is the new secret going to be good or not? Um, oh, is... I knew. I knew because I got to play it before it was released. That's true. That's true. Secret. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's it's interesting, right? Um, and then this whole argument of of Sage versus Alunith is an interesting one as well. And I don't think um, I don't know that there's necessarily a right or wrong answer here. Some of it's preference, and some of it is matchup dependent, right? So uh, I spent a bunch of time last night playing with Ben this uh, Reno Reno Secret Mage deck that he's been playing. And it runs a copy of the rigged fair game, the the secret that if you don't take any damage for this turn, you draw three cards. And we were seeing so much priest that it was like, of course we're going to play that. Like you automatically draw three cards. Um, but is that good for climbing the ladder? Is it good for a normal secret mage deck? I, you know, maybe not, maybe so. A lot of it, you know, requires experimentation. Um, Depends on the meta. Do you want me to get into? Do you want me to get into answering that question now? Yeah. So let's talk about your card choices a little bit because I th- I see some of sure. the new cards here. I think I'm curious. I would like to talk about Game Master. I would like to talk about uh, Occult Conjurer. I would like to talk about your choice of the secrets that you put in this deck, and I would like to get into the uh, Alunith versus the sage argument that's a lot of stuff but uh, sure we, you know we don't have to we don't have to spend hours on it but i'm, I'm genuinely curious so yeah let's start with game master what, what is your take on that card all right can i if we're going to talk about my list uh can i can i start by just sharing three criticisms i've received from my list <laughs> sure. of course of course sure so um the first criticism i have uh or that i've i've received is uh, i run two counter spells and two netherwind portals now I, i'll say this um as a secret mage player, I, I don't speak for every secret mage player, and what I do might not necessarily be optimal. But the way I play is kind of the way I play, and it's 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 kind of how I vibe. So um, I'm going to kind of point out places where um, I might do things a little differently than what might be quote unquote correct. Than like you know advice, let's say like a much better player than me, like a slizzle would give you. So that that's one place to start. Where some people argue that. Netherwind Portal is um, 
so good in this meta that uh, having two counter spells means you always have a shell on top of it, stopping it from procking. Criticism I have received from my list is I cut the Cabal Crystal Runner. Oh, uh, you did? Yeah, no, no, I see it. It's gone. You monster. Yeah. <laughs> I cut the Cabal Crystal Runner in favor of the uh, Occult Conjurer, and I was told Cabal Crystal Runner is too good to cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, getting into those three criticisms, so getting into those three criticisms one by one, as far as the two counter spells and the two Netherwind portals, that's a fair criticism. But um, the way I kind of feel about it is I love having two counter spells in my deck. Um, it's part of my win condition against priests is blocking my board, uh, blocking their board clears. And also part of my win condition against priests is Netherwind portal. Netherwind portal. If you want to beat any priest, you want, you want the secret sauce, turn one, set a Netherwind portal because they'll do something stupid, like play penance against like an archaeologist or something like that and pop out a four, you know, a four, four or a five, four or an eight, eight dragon, something dumb, right? <laughs> Yesterday I got, uh, the uh, flame le- flame wreathed faceless, the four mana seven seven. Nice, yeah, great. Yeah, you know what's seven, even seven. better than that? It, <laughs> what's better than that is the five seven dragon with the plus two spell uh, spell damage. That with that with flame runes and and fireball is I just got ridiculous. That as well. I got oh, that as gross. well. Or if you get like dragon's bane, that's Ooh, fun. I've not had dragon's bane. Mm. Dragon's bane is fun. Uh, um, the the nether, I could get into like a symposium on Netherwind Portal and why it's broken. Um, I literally went through the minion pool and basically rated minions on a scale of one through four. Four being they have synergy with my deck and they're really good hits, or they just they're just a pile of stats and they're awesome. Um, one being this is actively bad, and two being I would pay three mana for this. I would pay three mana for this many stats, and ninety seven seven. Uh, percent of the minions fall between a two and a four. Okay, and sixty six percent fall between a three and a four. So it's it's like such a good secret as far as like the minion you get, the value you get for the secret. So set that early against priest. Okay. Then what you do is you set up counter spell turn five, and you set up counter spell turn seven. Because on turn five, they want to play Mass Hysteria, and on turn seven, they want to play Psychic Screen. And I don't really mind playing Counterspell on top of Netherwind Portal, because how do you play counter uh, play around Counterspell? Anybody, how do you do coin. it? No, I mean, you, you have to. Coin, <laughs> you pop the Counterspell, and then you play your board clear, right? Yeah. And then but you now your mana's control. gone, and I have a 4-4 four, four on, the, on the table. So where you thought you were clearing the board, now I still have, I still have a board presence. Yeah. So, so I don't mind counterspell Netherwind Portal more than other players. Now, again, that might just be me incorrect in feeling that way, but that's how I feel about it, and I'm not changing it. <laughs> um, that's the that's the fairest criticism I think I get. Okay. No, no, no. That's good. That's good. It's interesting. No, I like that. And don't the, don't change your stance because I will not allow this internet presence for people to put on pressure to other people of what they say should be played and what shouldn't be played because I've played Hearthstone for six years, which means I played eight plus other card games physically in the flesh at a card shop for way longer. And it was never like this. So if Johnny Rocket had a a deck and he was killing everybody in the shop, everybody wants to have the money to buy the cards he has 
but nobody ever critiqued the cards he played. Now, if there are players on his level and they're always meeting in the quarterfinals of tournaments or the finals, now, these players who meet in the finals in person, I've seen them discuss why they elect a certain card over another, but not to the degree I see what I what I see nowadays in 2020 going online, where all these people are just like sending shots and flaming each other for the certain card choices they pick. It's just crazy to me as someone who's played many other card games for way longer than Hearthstone, that a lot of people let certain card choices that Smoopy may play or I'll play or Nader Hydra, like move their emotional needle. Like I think everyone should just ask and try to figure out what the mindset is behind certain cards and not really come at somebody and be like, Oh, well that's wrong or not optimal. That's just crazy to me. I don't talk like that. I don't I don't rock with that. So I like that you came on here and you explained why you play certain cards. So thank That's you. a really, really good point. I appreciate you saying that, Mike, because yeah. we do have some people in the wild community that can be toxic and, you know, will flame you yeah. for doing something like that. So that's a really good point. I mean, I'm the guy who played Illidan in original Quest Rogue. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I agree. I mean, Ark Young in chat says, I just like this card is a valid you know, it's a valid reason. And yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like it too. No, I like it too. It's Prince Liam, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, damn. It, and it's funny. Uh, <laughs> you're going on that one. <laughs> Mike, you were running your big priest list and I saw you had two plague of deaths in there. And I was really curious. I was just like, why is he running two plague of deaths? But then I, I kind of tried it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it turns out palm reading is so broken that if, if Plague of Death is in your hand twice for yep. two palm readings, it turns into possibly a better psychic scream, depending yep. on the situation. So, yep. like, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's a card that people have been saying for years is, like, too slow for wild, too slow for wild. Well, like, you know, maybe it's well, not. Also, for, for my MMR, um, just the games that I play, I build my decks based on what's happening to me over a great sample so I come into a lot of decks where the players I'm playing against, they're just able to create waves upon waves upon waves. It just happens to me. So instead of getting mad, you know, I'm, instead of going against the river, I'm going to go with the flow. So I put in two Plague of Deaths, and I was able to get Legend uh, 15 and 7. I didn't want to talk back um, when you guys were talking Secret Mage, but that's what I was going to throw in there. Um, just Climbing a Legend is very much a mood for me. I was at rank 5, no stars. I got tired of facing aggro built that big priest deck and it just felt good and i was in a good mood so it's very much a mood thing but uh yeah i put two plague of deaths because every deck i played against they build waves so i got breath spirit lash mass hysteria like you said on five uh secret mage players play counter spell very smart psychic scream and then um plague of death like it seems like a lot of clears but that's what i go against and i got to legend so i'm chilling now hey there you go that's good Mm -hmm. i think that's solid advice so so um, I'll move on to uh, since I got I got the Netherwind Portal counterspell argument is like the best the the most fair criticism I've gotten as far as cutting the crystal runners. How much does crystal runner cost? Mm-hmm. Zero. zero. <laughs> yeah. See, yeah. You guys say zero. How much does crystal runner cost? Turn four. Yeah. No. Usually two. it's two, three, four. Yeah. Two. Five. <laughs> Probably costs four. Turn four. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying. It's a four cost card. It's not a it's not a zero cost card turn four. It's not a no. zero cost far card turn two. It's a it's a a lot of times it's a four mana five five. Yeah, and I find myself tempoing it for exactly what you're saying. Like I'm not waiting mm-hmm. for it to get zero. You draw it later, you get zero. Yeah. But 
I'll often play it for two, three, four mana. I've never played its full cost, I don't think. But no, like, no, that does like if you're playing it for its four cost, you've already lost. Yeah. Like you're not playing like you, you've you've lost by turn six if you're trying to play Cabal Crystal Runner for its for yeah. its full but cost. So it's so not- like I look, I don't look at it as a a four. I don't look at it as a zero mana five five. I look at it as a four mana five five. And a four mana eight eight is better. And not only is it better, but it's split against two bodies. And um, specifically into this mad- meta, which is getting wider, not taller. Right? Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of aggro druids. You got a lot of odd paladins. Having two four four bodies instead of one five five can make a big difference because into those matchups, they maybe if they want to make trades, and if an aggro druid is trading, they're losing. But let's say if they want to make trades. To take care of the 5-5, five five, they're trading two minions. To take care of the two four fours, they have to probably trade somewhere around four minions, right? That's, like, they're not yeah. going one-on-one, and, it, and they're not good trades. So it's providing more cover to smash dudes um, going wide like that. And I cut the Crystal Runners because... Um, for two other reasons. Reason one... Um, Aside from going wide like that, um, when I make substitution in my decks, like I know how my old list would run, I know how my old list would feel. I wanted to keep that same feeling and that same functionality, and I didn't want to mess with like ratios. Um, I subbed muscle for muscle. So if Cabal Crystal Runner is the muscle in my old list, mm-hmm. then I'm going to sub in a Colt Conjurer as the new muscle in my new list. And I didn't look back at that. Um, I see a lot of lists these days. It's very popular to try and run both two copies of Cult Conjurers and two copies of Crystal Runners. And I'm really interested to see if that trend continues. Because to me, like if that's what you're doing in your list, you're starting to turn Secret Mage into a mid-range list. And not for nothing, Wild is kind of the place where mid-range goes to die. <laughs> like I understand like they're both really good cards. Um, but like I, I will play against opponents who have, like, rigged fair game proc, and I'm staring at a secret mage with eight cards in their hand, and they ping me on turn three and pass. And I'm thinking to myself, what is in your hand that you're not playing anything turn three? He, he had the achievement uh, for use your hero power 50 times. Like, what, <laughs> like, how is your deck built that this is happening to you? Like, what, like... What nonsense is going on? I think it might be that they are all jammed up with crystal runners and 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 occult conjurers are all stuck in their hand, and maybe they've got a sage in there too, and they just they just they can't play anything. But like I like look at it and I'm baffled. So so I I swapped muscle for muscle. It also has the added bonus um, that I included Polkelt in this list. Um, now Polkelt's function primarily in this list is to top deck Alunith. Right, and yeah. I have always, I've always advocated when it comes to secret mage, you need a secondary draw engine aside from Alunith. Um, that draw engine in the past was either Polkelt or Luna. I have always been Team Luna because I think that um, she doesn't bury your secrets when she shuffles your st- like, like she doesn't shuffle your stuff and bury your secrets. Like Polkelt sounds like a good idea because oh, I get my top end and I get all my burn at once. But sometimes, like when you equip Alunith. What's nice is you get to sprinkle in some disruption 
So like as you're waiting for the fireballs to come, you can kind of drop a minion here, drop a counter spell there, drop a flame rune, uh, an explosive runes here. You can kind of like temple out your disruption so that um, you're buying time. There's no buying time once you pull Kelt. Um, if you don't have the secrets in hand, you're not getting them for a while. Unless, unless you um, built it the way I built it, which is when I pull Kelt, I'm not top decking a crystal runner when I have seven mana and the crystal runner costs two. I'm top decking a Lunath every time. So that's the other reason why I included the occult conjurers instead of the crystal runners, because they're not going to block up my pull Kelt draw. Oh, that's and then, smart. I like that. And, and then um, my last substitution that I made is the standard only card, apparently, that is Game Master. <laughs> yeah, no, this is uh, the one card that like I, I have not played a lot with yet or not really, like, I, I'm not quite sure what the upside is. I'm really excited to hear you talk about this one. So, so of all the sub- card substitutions I have made, the most, the card that I have been happiest with is Game Master. Wow. Okay. okay. Because, because what he allows you to do is he allows you to be hyper aggressive on your mulligans. And the way that he does that is basically he's acting as a worse Kirin Tor mage or a worse Cabal Lackey. So worse comes to worst, like, it, like I'm really digging for flak mage against, against odd paladin. But if I miss and I hit a game master and I can coin him out, now I can start my secret building early. Like, for example, with coin, um, and, and you can imagine without coin um, some similar play styles, just like, you know, turn three and beyond is basically going to be the same. But with coin, let's say you put out Game Master turn one. Turn two can either just be play a secret, which is already really powerful, right? You've cheated two mana there. Like, now you're de- your opponent's dealing with a secret turn two. Or you can play secret Cabal Lackey secret. So now you've got two secrets up and a one-two that you've developed and you've got a rover croc on board that's already swung face or traded. Mm-hmm. Turn three, you could play an arcanologist with a game master on board and play the secret it pulls. You could play a secret and play a Medivh's valet. You could play a secret and then play, uh, or sorry, you could play a flak mage and then play a secret. You could play a mad scientist and then play a secret. He just He does a good job of filling out the early game and considering that it's a tempo-based deck, and specifically, if you guys think about it, like what I'm building this deck to do is I'm building this deck to hit Legend as fast as possible. My meta and the decks that I see day one, day two, day three are primarily going to be fast aggro decks. So having a bunch of, um, you know, having a bunch of Crystal Runners or having a bunch of Occult Conjurers clogging up my hand is not going to help me. I want to play for... Um, I want to play for board uh, soon. Uh, Blue Train, it discounts the first secret you play uh, to one. It doesn't pull from the deck. Um, And that is actually one of the... um, That is one of the downsides, because I cut Ancient Mysteries for him. Um, My deck definitely has less draw than I'm used to. But what I'm sort of gambling on and what I'm sort of banking on, that's a risky strategy, is I'm banking on pull Kelt into a Lunath, or just top-decking a Lunath to make up for that draw differential. And I'm basically like, instead of like leaning hard on, let's say one of the new cards, like Rick fair game or Sage, I'm leaning hard on a Lunath doing a Lunath's job, which a Lunath usually does a pretty good job of. 
So what is your normal mulligan strategy? I mean, because it's a tempo-based deck, are you just looking for, you know, Cabal Lackey or one of the two drops? I've tried to sit down and write a mulligan strategy and then like half an hour in realized that like it's just it's too nuanced to do uh half-hearted so how about you give me an archetype or a class and i'll tell you how i'm looking for it well that's i mean that's how it works i I suppose you're right and maybe we don't need to go down that path because of course just shoot a couple shoot a couple at me and i'll give you an idea well i mean that's yeah my my Uh, assumption is i mean against the aggro decks right so you're you're looking at aggro druid odd paladin or one of those then you're looking more for you know like your flak mage or flame ward or you know that type of thing you know playing a little bit more defensively where aggro druid i am looking for flak mage i'm keeping cabal lackey if i ever have it um and i'm especially keeping cabal lackey flak mage secret or i might even keep cabal lackey secret and then sit on it until and and hope i draw into a flak mage it depends on what secret would you keep Um, a counter spell against aggro druid uh it's something i've thought of and I've thought of more recently, just to block that first in Biggin. Um, it's harder to do, because they're probably going to burn a coin before they burn the in so it might not be worth. But, um, Netherwind Portal, and this is why, another reason why I love Netherwind Portal, regardless of the archetype, getting Netherwind Portal down turn one is never a bad play. Because most archetypes play some kind of spell, and if they play some kind of spell on their turn one, like let's say they use their coin to tempo out a two-drop, you're talking about a free four drop on turn two that can swing phase. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so all right, what about um, trying to think of what I see a lot in the me- the meta? I'm sure everyone's got different. You no, know you want ideas, to ask me but... about like big priest or Q block? No, I do specifically big priest. Uh, the the ones that I'm really curious about are the warlock decks and the priest decks because um, I think that's what I see quite a bit. So let's talk about priest. Because you have to assume, right? It's either this or this. Um. Yeah, I so I actually um, this is this is a funny little trick that sometimes works, uh, but actually works more often than you'd expect. Um, into like a deck like Warlock, I actually use uh, Swaguar's Theorem. Uh, if it's a non-golden hero power, it's probably the aggro version, and if it's a golden hero power, it's probably the slower version. I so, tend to agree with you there, actually, and, so, him, and him as well. So um, that helps sort of form my mulligan. Um, against Q-Block, my strategy is typically what I'd call a 15-15. I'm looking to do about 15 damage worth of minion damage, minion-based damage. And then I know that come turn 5, turn 6, um, there's going to be a wall of taunts that I have no hope to get through. Um, so I might as well start relying on burn to do the last 15. So I'm looking to basically do 15 in minion damage, 15 in burn. Ditto for big priest, where I'm looking for, I'm hard mulligan against big priest and, or priest as a class especially, I hard mulligan for netherwind portal, and that's basically my only hard mulligan that I'm looking for. Um, if I get netherwind portal down early, I feel pretty good about the matchup because inevitably they do something stupid, like they play like a, like a shadow visions or something like that on two. And they give me a free 4-4. And that usually gives me enough pressure to do like an 18-12 program where I'm doing 18 damage worth of minions. And then uh, the rest of it, I'm finishing off with burn over the top. Because again, once they play Shadow Essence, which I can block on 5 with Counterspell, but once once they play Shadow Essence um, and they start setting up taunts, I, I'm not chunking through it. So I might as well go over top of it. 
right, I want to. I do want to ask about gameplay, right? So you brought up the eighteen twelve. Uh, so let's talk about ratios here because this is an interesting deck. I think where the game plan, and, I, and I'm hardly the expert here, so let me get your take on it. But my understanding is the game plan sort of shifts at one point. Like you're a tempo deck, you want board presence, but at some point you shift to like full burn, right? I mean, especially against the bigger decks. If I know if I'm playing against a priest or um, you know, a shaman or a, a warlock, like at some point, I'm not going to be able to contest the board, but I've got the burn to go over the top. So like, what is that ratio or, or what is that point in the game where you switch strategies from like a board based tempo base to like burn or, or more it, play more aggressively? It usually happens around kind of naturally. It, it just sort of happens around turn six, turn seven. Like, especially for, like, Priest in general, it, it can happen between turn 6, turn 7, because that's when Shadow Essence comes out. And, like, um, if I just see... If I have, like, one five five to deal with that hasn't sprouted another five five, I might have built up an aggressive enough board where I can, on 5, bring down a Cloud Prince and uh, blast away the five five, and then maybe chunk through a 7-7 seven seven with my remaining board and then do a little bit of damage. And then all I'm really doing is waiting for my Fireballs. But in that that kind of game, um, you're trying to get them below 12. And with Priest, that's why I call it like an 18-12 program, because like Priest can heal. So you're really trying to get them closer to like, you know, five, six health. And then when the big tar- taunts start coming down, then you go fireballs over the top. But like, this is kind of my thing. Like, I see people tech in um, Polymorph Potion into their into their secret mage lists. And I'm kind of puzzled because people talk about it, it's like, oh, it's great into Big Priest. And my thinking is like, you, you're already great into Big Priest. Like, you're already, like, crushing Big Priest. Why are you teching against Big Priest? You're just... I mean, like, maybe it's a maybe it's a third Explosive Runes, and, like, that's maybe the best example of, like, why you would play that, that tech. But, Honestly, like, just in, I don't even think it's that great into Big Priest because a lot of times... They don't not... play their minions. They cast them. Exactly. Yeah, they're not playing the minions from hand. You're playing them through spells or summoning copies, so but I don't you, think it... You might you might nerf a Vargoth or something. Like, I don't... Like, it's... Okay. Like, great. They don't have Vargoth anymore. They have a sheep instead, but, like, I don't know. I, I, I might also be derisive about Polymorph Potion because I, I played a lot of... Um, a lot of uh, even Secret Hunter uh, in Ashes of Outland... And the number of times secret mages would polymorph one of my minions, but then I would fresh scent it and get cheap thole was like just the best. (laughs) So like, I don't know. It's like, do you still, it's not like you remove a board presence. Like in some cases you haven't. The only time, the only thing that I really liked, and maybe this is something else that we touch on here, maybe, maybe not as much based on this list, but like the, well, actually let's talk about it. The order that you play your secrets in, um, the order that you play your secrets in is the order that they'll trigger, right? And so, no, not necessarily. Well, I always remember the, I remember an interaction between Potion of Polymorph and Explosive Runes, right? Oh, that might or, that might be true. I but I never play Potion of Polymorph, so I wouldn't know that interaction. Very uh, so I mean, so depending what depending on the order that you played those, right? It would either like if you played Polymorph first. Like it would turn your thing into a, a one-one sheep and then do the six damage to it and go over. But if you play them in the reverse order, it would hit something and do six damage to it and then turn it into a sheep. Which is like you you right. don't 
you don't want that you don't uh, want that yeah they don't play nice to each that, that's the other thing like some of the secrets don't really play nice with each other like you wouldn't run you wouldn't run like polymorph and uh like potion of polymorph and like mirror entity because i think that's how you get one one sheep <laughs> like you just wasted yeah. three mana so like, there might I, be a I cost don't... for that a lot of the a lot of the bad secrets, I just I don't even know the interactions because I just I haven't spent the time to 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 learn them. But like yeah, but just just generally in priest or warlocks, you flood the board early. You try to cover up um, your board with counter spells, which is why I run two all the time um, to sort of mess with their removal. And then you're finishing the game just throwing fireballs over top. And like I I remember I had a game last climb where I had a warlock down to eight health. And I had Ice Block up, and they had Cartoot Defenders in play, and I was just, I reached the point where I just, I wasn't playing minions anymore. I was pinging and passing and waiting for double fireball. Yeah. So, like, it, it reaches a point where you're just like, all right, uh, now's the time. And so, like, once you get them below 12, and you're satisfied that they're going to be below 12, and you also know you're not getting through their taunts, that's when you go all burn. Okay. All right. No, no, that makes sense. All right. All right. Then let's hear the argument that we've all been waiting for. Let's talk about Sage versus Alunith. So like I kind of said before, I think Secret Mage is kind of in uh, the same sort of headspace as uh, like a, like your, like your typical, like strong deck in wild, like your cube block, where there are arguably like five or six different ways that you could build it and they all work and they're all fine. Like, Sage is a really powerful card. But one for one on his own, he does not pick up the draw that a Lunith does. And I know what, like, the big arguments are for not using a Lunith. You don't use a Lunith because it fatigues you to death. But when I hear somebody argue, oh, a Lunith fatigues me to death, I can't help but ask myself, and I'm going to look in the camera when I say this, you saw every card in your deck and you died. Why? <laughs> How did you lose? You saw every card in your deck and you died? So, like, sometimes it's just matchup dependent, right? Like, if you're facing an armor druid, you're going to get fatigued by, by a Luna. It's, it's going to happen. Odd Warrior, same thing's going to happen. But in like, the mirror ma- in, like, the mirror match, like, did they outplay you? Or did you mess up somewhere along the line where you misused your burn and now you, don't, you can't finish them off? Right? Like, it's just, it's, I, I have a really tough time of, like, taking the whole, well, Alunith fatigues me to death seriously in an orthodox secret mage. I think in a heavier deck, and we'll talk about, like, I know he was on the show notes, you want to talk about uh, Reno versus normal secret mage. Um, I think it, it's become correct to play Sage instead, because it's always harder to dump your hand in Reno secret mage as it is, just because you have so many cards that are powerful that generate value. Um, you can't they don't play nice with a Lunith, right? It's like, I, I used to play Evocation in my Reno Secret Mage. Um, and I realized that was a terrible idea because the spells get discarded at the same time a Lunith draws cards and you end up milling yourself because they don't they don't happen one than the other. They happen at the same time. Yeah. So like there's, there's, there's difficulties that come up. So if you cut a Lunith altogether and you play Sage, typically to pick up the slack, you have to run two rigged fair games. Now, my thoughts on rigged fair games. I think it's a really powerful card early in the game. It's a yes. really powerful card early in the game against specific archetypes in particular. Like I think it really does even the match against priest if you can get it down on one. 
because you get such a hand refill that you can just overwhelm them with value. I, I think between that and the Occult Conjurers, see, see, Raffle thought I was crazy cutting the Cabal of Crystal Runners for the Occult Conjurers because it was better into Priest, right? He's just like, are you trolling? Like, it's just, yeah, it's a 4-4, four, four, but they still have Mass Hysteria. Yeah, well, I still run two counter spells. Um, but, like, you know, it, 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 you know, the 4-4s four don't die to Shadow Words. They don't die to Anduin. Um, they, they don't die to, um, yeah, Shadow Words and Anduin. So they are going to stick on the board when they armor up with Anduin, as opposed to in the old days where you'd have your Crystal Runners down. Your Crystal Runners are gone. Now a lot of your push is gone. Um with with rigged fair game, the way I kind of feel about it between between occult conjurers and rigged fair game, the matchup in the priest has gotten a lot evener. But the way I kind of feel about rigged fair game is I feel like it's a really fair weather card. Um, if you are ahead, it's awesome. If you are behind, the best utility it can function is like kind of like what ice block is now where it's a way to make sure that your Cloud Princes and your Medivh Valets are always online. Um, other than that, it's not really doing anything for you. And it's actively bad if you play it with a Lunath. Like, you do not want to run Rigged Fair Game if you play a Lunath at all. Because there's a chance that at the end of your turn, you're going to draw, like, seven cards. <laughs> so, so, you don't, so you do not want to play the two of them together in the same list. So when it comes to Alunith versus Sage mano mano, I still think Alunith is better because you're guaranteed to see every card in your deck. So what you're trying to say is the the one list that I'm running that has Sage, Alunith, and Rig Fair Game is too much. It's probably it's probably too much draw. <laughs> it's a joke, uh, but yeah, no, uh, um, the the Rig Fair Game at the, in the beginning like you said, against Priest, has been absolutely amazing. I oh, it's bonkers. It's a, ve- it's a very powerful card. Um, I and, absolutely love it. Uh, and, but and, later in the game, it, it to me, it's it's not what I'm looking for. So it's something that you would have to mulligan for based in the matchup. So it's a little dependent. So that one, it's iffy. But I'm telling you, Rig Fair Game has done me like some real, it, it's got me some really great wins. But is that just because I was in the right matchup? Probably. It, it, I'm not. I don't. I'm not dismissing it as a powerful card. I it's just it's not for me because my other take on rigged fair game is that uh, it's not disruptive. It's kind of a value card. Like you get it down and you get something for having played it and it procking, but you haven't siphoned any tempo away from the opponent. And you'll notice, at least in my list, um, I have it, like, the curve is pretty low to the ground. Another reason why I like Game Master in the list that I didn't really get to is that it's a river croc. Like, it can trade into dudes early, and it it gives you a a really strong early board presence into a meta that I'm expecting is going to have, like, a lot of aggro druid, a lot of odd paladin. Um, Rigged Fair Game might be the worst possible top deck secret you could possibly get against an aggro druid. Mm Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's just absolutely like it. It might be the worst. Um, yeah, it's, it's got to be meta dependent. Absolutely. I, so like, I will say sure. I I agree with your point. You know, um, we were talking about. Thank you. We were talking about. Um, you had mentioned just a minute ago. Sometimes you would play rigged fair game, knowing that it's not going to proc, just to activate your. Um, you know. Uh, God, what are they called? Um, 
your Cole Conjures or your Medizale or one of those yeah, your, yeah. Your Cloud Prince. Like you know, like if I play it against a more aggressive deck, like I know they're not going to proc it, but it sets up my potential turn four, turn five. That being said, I I think the other great point that you made is that there's the deck style is so different in a Reno build versus a standard build. Um, that I you deal with hand size issues where I like Sage in the Reno version because, hey, I want to draw three to four cards. That's great. But I don't want to draw three cards every single turn because that's too much because typically I'm sitting on a much larger hand. Yeah. And it's because it's not tempo-oriented in the same way that, uh, you know, a regular Secret Mage is. Your, your six drops actually cost six. It's not, it's not like you can, it's yeah. not like your six drops actually cost. Like by the time a Lunath is equipped, you know, those Cabal Crystal Runners are usually cost zero, but you only really one run one. Now I will say in the Sage versus Lunath conversation, um, there is the build that's out there where you run Sage and two rigged fair games. And that's a functional deck. That's that, that deck totally works. Um, and what's also kind of nice about that, that deck list that I like is it does run to Crystal Runners, so that when you throw down Sage, you're not only getting a 5-5, you're also getting sometimes a 10-10, sometimes a 15-15 in stats, as well as good card draw, digging for your burn. So, like, I think it, it does become, like, matchup dependent and, like, personal preference dependent on, like, which list you like the best. Like, I've heard... Everybody I've heard who's played the, the Sage-rigged fair game list loves it. Right, I've seen uh, it, you know Ben from work in, in chat says that he likes that list. I've seen Get Me Out sing the praises of that list. I've seen Martian Boo really like that list and says he likes it better than the Alunith build, and that's fine. But like, I still think that um, you're playing essentially three cards to do the job of one. And in a traditional Secret Mage build, you would run Alunith, and then you would run some additional draw engine alongside what uh, would be the normal targeted draw of the secrets. So you would run a Luna or you would run a Polkel because you could chain draws mm -hmm. and build a board state, even if your Alunith got nerfed. Um, but um, I haven't seen Luna in a while. She's out there. She's out there. Uh, she's not, she's not, she's not as sexy as she used to be, but like, I almost like in my Alunith build, and I almost have put in my in my deck that I'm going to climb with, and uh, the, the list that I brought tonight. Um, I've almost put Sage in that list because I do like that. Like he is such a powerful card. He does draw a lot of cards, and he draws me closer to Alunith. And he does it in a way where he's not burying my secrets. I kind of get like the value that I like, where the setup that I like, where my secrets are kind of sprinkled in with my fireballs and like maybe my Alunith and maybe my my muscle. So I like him in that like pull kilt Luna s slot in a normal secret mage list that also runs a Luna. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, it's, it's, it's not all that, like, you know, it's not all that sexy to say that like, yeah, like a, an Alunith less secret mage list works, but it does work. Like, I don't think it's necessarily better than a secret mage list with a Luna. I think it just depends on how you've built the deck and what your personal preference is. Play what you like. I like it. I mean, yeah. I, I've seen, I, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, right? Where I think that this deck comes down to, uh, you know, 25, 26 cards that are 
pretty much core and then I've got another maybe four that I can swap out. I really like your argument about uh, potentially needing the rigged fair game and sage to do the job of Alunith. I will say Alunith is a very all-in card, you know, where once you play it, like, all right, it's showtime. Like, the game now it has a clock uh, where where previously it it may not have. The only downside that I see really to Alunith is, and it has nothing to do with the overdraw issue, it's that I've seen so many Reno decks that um, there's a lot of, there's weapon removal from Zephyrs yeah. or from, you know, other other sort of weapon removal that people are running. And so you play Alunith, like I, I, I don't play a lot of Secret Mage. I used to a long time ago and then... I had kind of stopped and switched over, but I play a lot of cube, and I think I will compare Alunith to the Skull of the Minari in that the turn that you play it is a big tempo loss, but you take that hit for the reward, you know, the next turn and thereafter. So I'm dropping a giant demon the next turn, or I'm drawing three cards at the end of my turn, um, and uh, it's worth the cost. But if someone if someone then you know breaks your weapon, like it feels really bad. So, why I used to run Luna over Polkelt is because when, like, I had on one run when Kingsbane was everywhere, um, you know, it was really it was really in vogue to play Polkelt in your Secret Mage, and I thought it was a really dumb time to do that because if everybody's running Sticky Fingers and everybody's running Ooze, uh, Alunith is getting broken all the time. So I'd run Luna instead, and so basically Luna functions as a second Alunith if Alunith gets broken. Um, okay. where where she can, like, on 10 mana, she can chain together a bunch of draws to set up a large board. And by the way, if I were to play a Luna build, um, I would not play the Occult Conjurers. I would go back to the Cabal Crystal Runners because the Conjurers and Luna do not mix well. Those girls do not play nice. So <laughs> I, would probably, I would probably go back to that. And I would probably also sub back in the Ancient Mysteries if I was playing Luna, because Ancient Mysteries and Luna pair very well. So like I said, nobody's really exploring that build anymore because it doesn't have as many new cards. Um, but that is also a functional build. Like I am convinced that I could play my same list that I've gotten Legend with the last five months. I could play that same list and probably get Legend around the same time, beginning of next month. But, you know, we got new cards and they're powerful and we should play with them, right? So like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's such a 180 degree space from like the correct way to play secret mage. And like, this is the only way to like, it's the wild west. There's a bunch of different builds now. Get used to it. Yep. And All let's right. not forget, you can always, if you're playing a Lunith, you can run Blingtron to kill it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually brought a list of cards that were dumb that I, that I've seen in Secret Mage that are actually objectively incorrect. Uh, oh, real wanna... quickly, yes, yes. I've I've seen all these things in Secret Mage, by the way. Yes, this Yog. this is why I bring this up. Yog Box, Yog Saron, Amazing Reno. I once had a Secret Mage play two oozes, both Acidic Swamp ooze and two like like the two drop oozes, like the like the classic set oozes. And sticky fingers all at the same time. <laughs> okay, I guess I'm playing weapon mage. Like it was, the, it was the strangest thing. And so, like you know, I I, I like to say that like a, a good secret mage. If you're looking to build a secret mage deck and you kind of want some direction, 
Um, there's kind of four sections to a secret mage deck. There's board minions, which I would include like Kieran Tor Mage, Archaeonologist, Mad Scientist, Cabal Lackey, and then um, up to you if you want to do like runners or conjurers, but like basically the minions that are going to compete for the board for you. Um, there's your secrets, secrets that are core that I think you want to include now, and then you kind of chop and change at will based on your preference is Counterspell, Explosive Runes, and Flame Ward. Um, I don't think like you can just cut Flame Ward entirely. I think you need to include it. I like having Ice Block in there, but like I've seen some people say, well... The Ice Block one is a difficult argument for me. I, I, I can sort of see the other side if you're trying to I... just be aggressive. But the thing is, it, it, it triggers so many things that you have in your deck. That. Yeah, you never once you have it up, you never have to worry about your cloud princes unless they flare it, right? So yeah. like that's that's kind of the thing. Well, yeah, I mean the the argument for ice block is twofold, right? Number one, it's going to proc all of your battle cry minions the rest of the game. Number two, it buys you one extra turn. So it's I, I just think in general it's worth. There's your burn section. So like so we've done board minion secrets. Burn is the third one. That's your fireballs, your cloud princes, your valleys, and your roaring torch. Something to bring up is some people have toyed with the idea of cutting Fireball and in just making the deck more minion-based. I think if you do that, you turn the deck into a mid-range deck, and once you do that, you automatically start losing to Big Priest because you do not have enough burn to go over top in mm-hmm. most matchups. So I think it's I think it's supremely stupid to do that, but people are going to do what people are going to do, and it's worth experimenting and trying out. I just I don't think it's a good idea. Experimenting is fun, but yeah, I don't I personally don't like that. Decision, and, but and that and that leads me to your fourth your fourth category, which is draw engine. So like you need you need a draw engine, whether that's a Lunath or Sage, it's up to you. If it's Sage, you probably run two rigged fair games. If it's a Lunath, you probably run a secondary draw engine alongside it, whether that's Luna, whether that's Sage, whether that's Polk Health. It's kind of up to you and how you built your deck. Okay, no, no, I like. I mean, you're right as far as the sections go. I think that. Um... You're kind of right on the money there. I like the... Uh, it, it seems like there's a couple core builds here. Like, I can build it this way with the new cards. I can build it the other way. And neither of them are really wrong. They're just a little bit different. They essentially pretty much do the same thing. I do think that this deck is actually really accessible uh, for newer players because it hasn't changed that much over the years. And the cards are relatively uh, light, dust-wise. Um, so what we're running... We went from running... Uh, only one legend to running two now so we're either running Polkelt or luna we're running Alunith or sage but i don't think that's bad uh most of the stuff is actually pretty inexpensive so i like... no, and especially because sage is a new card there's a chance if you're a new player right they drop free legendaries on like you know there are rewards that are free legendaries that could be your free legendary mm-hmm. like i don't like what's kind of nice is the build almost has become more accessible because if let's say you pack a sage, like if you're a free to play player and you've and you've unpacked a sage, go with the sage build. Like it, it's a little bit more expensive dust wise because mm-hmm. you have to craft two epics in fig, in rigged fair games, and you might want to craft a uh, an ice block. But like you know, the dust the dust level is still not crazy high. Yeah, no, no, I agree, and I think that this is one of those that like. Depending, you could build it differently depending on uh, your collection, right? Um, which is really cool. So I like it. I like that. There's really, I mean, essentially a couple builds that are that are all still. I don't know what the right word is. Good. So yeah, yeah. They're, vi- they're all. Vi- I I use the term viable. viable. 
Yes, that, that was the word I was looking for. It just been a long day. <laughs> they definitely all work. I'm playing suboptimal lists on my other accounts, and they still work. They still, still work. positive win rate. So. I was I was actually going to ask if it was if if you were still climbing with those builds, and I bet you would because again, kind of what Nate said, where it's 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 I think it is the most I think the only other archetype that sort of gives it a run for its money on the center. You know that you know. Oh no, my doom guards and my soul flyers are down the to- tubes. I do think that Wicked Whispers kind of shores that up for them now. If you're not playing Wicked Whispers and your discard warlock, uh, yeah. what are you doing? Um, give it a shot. Try it out because that card is broken. Yeah, I hear it's good. Hey, Mike. So. Mike, what is your take on? Because um, I, I know you've been a, a secret mage player for a long time as well. Hit legend with it multiple times. Um, what is your? You know, if you have any take on the deck list or what were you running? Yeah. So, um, all right. I'll talk on this deck list first. I like the feel of it. I like the explanation on why you swapped out. And why you swapped in your four slot. When you explain over the simple size of the five five does become a four drop. Um I know I initially innate said like zero cost zero. But, <laughs> but ideally But it, it really doesn't. I mean like yeah, it, yeah. it does it does optimally cost zero, but it doesn't always cost zero. On average it doesn't. Yeah, like in the dream games it it'll cost zero. Uh just but in the for so um i do i do like the way this list looks i want to try it out my the way i play secret mage my objective um is to do at, at the beginning when i first started playing was to do as much face damage as possible get out of the match as quick as possible because at the lower rank people are trying to do the same but a lot of the time people will will like do silly things and forget to like like lose by one. So like once you get out of the lower league to the higher league, now you have to start playing next level where you have to hold duplicate until it procs the right main. And like when you play in supply them that is I'm just being just being real. So I like to play burn, burn, get out the match. Like I was playing torches before to get more from my deck. It's based on where I'm at. Um, but what started happening was like more Reno decks, more Zephyrs, more more Reno, just like more crazy, like more classes being able to like survive, heal, and get back. And like now that you've exhausted everything, they got like eight cards, in there, and they probably got a death knight from other created by cards. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I like I like when you be about um in a different exp- explanation. You said like. And play this with like a more of a main focus. Um, because sometimes I I have to realize I got to think that way because when I play a secret mage, I just default to everything's going face. Like, I'll think about some interactions, but most of the time in three turns, if I didn't send face and I needed six, I'm pissed. So, <laughs> so. yeah, I uh, I'd have to say most of my games end with double fireball to face on turn eight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like fireballs, I always consider are for lethal. They're not. They're not for like. Occasionally, there are there are some really good um, reasons for using them on a minion, but like like uh, specifically, what comes to mind is like odd DH 
if you see that like that Warglaive guy come out, like the six four, mm-hmm. you know they don't have a whole lot of refill outside of him. Um, I've I've fireballed him in the past and then tempoed out a two three because like you know odd odd demon hunter is just not going to kill a river croc as easily as like it's a, it's not like I'm tempoing out a two two. So like I've done that in the past, but you know for for the most part, you know just fireballs are for lethal. Just sit on them, sit on them, sit on them, sit on them, and then when you see an opportunity, burn their face off. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as uh, Sage, um, I just actually started playing today for the uh, for an achievement. So it was very easy to draw 50 off of the secret, like the achievement overall. Most of the time, I drew him, and it was a small sample size, so I can't let this be like the end all be all. But I just happened to draw a Sage late, so it was like drawing nine cards. <laughs> it was like two cards in my deck but I needed the achievement it was on stream today so I was like for the squad and I just did it anyway like, <laughs> freaking like oh but he doesn't out. fatigue you to death no oh no definitely not um, I didn't that... have I didn't have the weapon in that list I just kind of threw it together um, I, I, I do I, think I, that I do like that's worth discussing though. sorry sorry man I, I, I do think that's worth discussing though is that's like oh we just talk about how Sage is great and Sage is always good. And Sage is always oh, great tempo. He's a six mana five five. No, no, um, you there, you have to play it at the right time. We but have, that messed us up. There, there, yeah. there are times he is a dead card. Like he is no longer he is no longer like you have four cards in deck and two of them are your fireballs and you can't play Sage because you will die to fatigue. Like that's definitely an issue that that um, that comes up. And. Um, Oh, I had something else I wanted to say. Anyway, that but that's just like that's just something I oh, this is what I wanted to say. And the reason why I considered putting Sage in instead of Polkelt in my list is uh what how much does uh what let me put it this way. What's the actual mana cost of Polkelt? Well, like just, what turn do you what turn do you actually play Polkelt? Oh, well, oh no, no, yeah, no, that's the thing. Like you don't well, I don't want to play him before turn five. I mean, if I play him on five into a, a Lunath on six is good, but I'm not going to drop him on four because I don't want a Lunath on five because I can't play it. Unless it's in your hand and you're looking for a Cloud Prince. Yeah, the only time you're going to play Polkelt on curve is if you have a good enough hand where you can piece together a turn five, right? You've got a Cloud Prince in hand and you've got a secret up and you know it's like Ice Block. It's something that's not going to proc. Um you know, or you might have like you know, secret valet. Like you have something where you can piece together your five, so you can draw Lunith and then actually play it on curve on turn six, uh, which can be kind of nice. But for the most part, he plays kind of like a five mana card, right? So if he's five, he's a five mana four four. If he's basically a barista, um, is it that much of a leap to cut him and play Sage instead? Hmm. That's an interesting take of of the ones to swap. Um... I mean, so I do, that, I, I do like the body. I mean, it's really, it's only like a one mana difference, right? The my thi- favorite thing about Polkelt is you, now you know what's happening. Now you know what you're getting. Well, it's like, yeah, it's a tutor essentially because you know what he's gonna pull. Um, I want to not jump saying back. it's better, but it you know what your draws are from now on, unless. I mean, you got a bunch of four cost things in your deck, and it could be one of any of them, but. Well, luckily, the way that the way the deck operates, though, like when you equip a Lunith, if you haven't, let's say you haven't seen any of your high cost cards yet, you're going to get 
Cloud Prince, Cloud Prince, four drop. Even if a Lunith breaks, your next card is a four drop. So you've either seen both your fireballs, both your conjurers, or what's more likely is you see one fireball, one conjurer, right? Mm-hmm. And then you know your next draw is either one fireball or one conjurer, and it's a 50-50 shot at that point. So like if your turn seven is you've your turn seven is you draw the other four drop, your turn eight is you have a 50-50 shot at having basically top deck lethal, right? If if two if double fireball is your lethal. So like that like even with the Lunath breaking, like it's it's kind of okay. But like I I I, I'm really torn on Pole Kelt because for the longest time I was down on Pole Kelt because I don't like how far he buries down your secrets. Um, you start seeing secrets after turn seven, after the draws on turn seven get you into the three drops. So you, then you start seeing secrets again. Um, but I, I don't think that's necessarily ideal. No, I mean, and I, I know you want to mulligan for low cost cards early on, but I will still say even even after Pole Kelt, Mad scientist will still pull one. Archaeologist will still pull one. So, yeah. I mean, there's there's ways, but I agree with you. Uh, it was funny yesterday we were playing that Reno Secret Mage, and I you have to be very careful about playing Sage as well because we had it. I mean, he was at hand. I think we had Sage at draw five cards, and like I couldn't play it because he was going to burn two cards, and so. I had to dump my hand uh, like suboptimally so that I could play Sage the next turn and we draw a bunch of stuff and I think we ultimately won, but like it, um, it, it like you, you don't want to necessarily tempo it out. It, it forces you to, um, you know, it, it, you have to work around them a little bit. Yeah. I, I find that a lot with the new, the new mage cards, like occult conjurer, as much as I can't imagine cutting her from my list right now, like I, I just I like her so much better than Cabal Crystal Runner, at least in the list that I've built, um, that I can't go back. But uh, even if I switch to let's say Sage, um, I'd be inclined to because I think Sage works much better with the runners. I don't think I could with the I don't think I could cut the Conjurers because um, getting the two four fours down is so powerful. But you definitely have to play sub optimally in order. To, to get them to work sometimes. And I feel like Rigged Fair game is kind of like that sometimes, and I feel like Sage is kind of like that sometimes, where like you definitely there's there are times where you have to play a little different than you want to play because the effect is so powerful, you go for it. Um, and, and the only one that doesn't really do that for me is Game Master, because Game Master, if anything, facilitates stuff. So like if you were going to play, like if you were going to play a secret for three mana... You're still paying three mana, but you're putting down a river croc and you're paying one mana for the secret. So like it, it's a worse Kieran Tor Mage, but like you can still kind of fill out your curve, especially if he sticks on board. And he'll probably stick on board. Um the uh the the only thing, like I know we were gonna talk about the difference between like Reno Secret Mage and Secret Mage. Um, uh, we don't have to get into the weeds too much. I mean they're they're yeah, just, I just they're general, very just, different builds. I mean Yeah, general thoughts just like like the thing of like the difference between the two builds is um Secret Mage is kind of like ballroom dancing, where like everybody kind of knows the steps, and like there's there's just a, it's very th- formulaic. Whereas whereas Reno Secret Mage is like um, improv jazz, where like <laughs> yeah. the the early game is a lot less consistent, um, depending on your build. But like just in general, just the early game is less consistent, and the secrets are kind of an afterthought. Like they're supposed to trip the opponent up, but they're not like the showcase. Whereas they are 
they're they're kind of the showcase in, in Orthodox Secret Mage. Mm-hmm. You're mostly just trying to draw towards like your more powerful cards, like your Kazakis, your Zephyrs, you know, your Reno the Recologist, because like the thing that they do is so powerful that it affects the game. And it's a little bit it can be it can have more utility and it can be more proactive. So like that's why like I've seen like arguments which is just like, well, Sage is better in Reno Secret Mage. So like why don't you just cut a Lunith? And it's like, well, that's not like it's like kinda like apples to oranges. Like, yes, they're both fruit, but like they are very different decks. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, I think that's most of the questions that I had here. Um, I when I first looked at this, like I I had honestly I had questions as well, but it's been really great talking through it because knowing the reasoning behind, you know, the inclusions for certain cards or knowing optimally when to play them makes a huge difference. Because I think anybody like, I mean, that's I guess another point is you can copy a deck list any day but like learning how to actually play it is something different right yeah or like you know when is the optimal time to play this card what is it uh, um, work well with or what should i play this in conjunction with when should i wait um that sort of thing so yeah no for sure um yeah. I, I really do appreciate the discussion on the deck i'm i'm looking forward to seeing how this version works mostly like i've I've played most of these cards myself. I have not run Game Master at all ever because oh. like I'm I'm pretty sure on the card review episode I gave this like a giant right and I would love to be proven wrong in yeah. certain situations if it's great against aggro or like whatever I I didn't think that it was a good card. I called it a worse Kirintor. Um, but if if it's something that works, I am willing to say that I was wrong. It's, That's why I, I would totally I, like. I, worse, I would love to see it. I would love to see it. So it's totally a worse Kieran tour. Except the thing is, is like you can still get value off of it if it sticks on board, and it's a two three, so it's going to stick on board. And not only that. Um, you know, just into like an odd paladin, like it's it's a star when it comes to like aggro matchups. Like it can just swing yeah. an aggro matchup because you're not waiting to like have the mana to cheat out a body and a secret. You're just paying one mana for a secret. So like if if you really need to pull the you know the oh you know what handle and put a play a flame ward on two, you can play a flame ward on two. Like it doesn't matter. Like it, it, it's mm-hmm. it's just he he does a really good job of of building out the early curve, and I think like people are kind of overlooking him right now. Because they're kind of like caught up in like the big bodies that Secret Mage can put out, but I'm I I'm not convinced that building the deck list towards those big bodies is where the success in the deck lies. I think the success in the deck lies in making the early game so consistent and so overwhelming that you win with fireballs. Like I don't I don't I I don't with in a big pre in, in a meta that has this much big priest. I don't think having a bunch of five fives and four fours is going to like seal the deal anywhere. Like I don't mm-hmm. like late game. Like I just, I just, you're never going to have enough time to play them all. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to giving it a shot. Cool. All right. Well, I think we're about ready to wrap this up. Do you guys have any other uh, questions or, or anything before we move on? I'm ready for this. Action. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, uh, Shmoopy, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Um, it was really good to have you. Uh, it was great, you know, getting to meet you. Um, 
so I think it was Naya in Discord said, "Hey, we get schmoopy face reveal." <laughs> yeah, and, we 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 see you in Discord all the time, and it's really nice to uh, you know get the face to the name, chat with you. Uh, it was really Hydra. Fun. Definitely appreciate it. Oh man, this has been Hydra. so much fun, guys! Like I, I I was a big fan of the show, and uh, and you know Nate reached out, and I was just like, "You sure?" Me? <laughs> uh, and uh, and you know I, I I was happy to have the discussion. Like honestly, anytime I love talking Hearthstone. So like this is this is this has been a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah, hey, uh, Nate and Hydra. Before yeah. we end yeah. the show, let's 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 give the listeners uh, listeners a last juicy story. Uh, Shmoopy, let people know how we uh, met each other. So um, you know I, I I started listening to the podcast. Uh, I'd maybe listen to like two three episodes. And I'd, you know, I'd hit legend. So I was doing, you know, what I usually do, which is play something stupid. So I was playing Bolster Warrior with a bomb package, which happened to be really good into Raza Priest at the time. Yeah. And um, I hit Mike Lowe on ladder. Uh oh, are we still good? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're good. good. Oh, we're still good. Okay, sorry. I just whenever I see the picture, freak out. I freak out. <laughs> so uh, we hit. So I hit Mike Lowe on ladder. And, like, I wanted to be, like, greetings and, like, you know, just kind of be, like, like, oh, man, I, I, I know you from the podcast. This is great. Uh, but I was playing as Deathwing. So my greetings is kind of aggressive and, like, a little BM. And uh, immediately Mike Lowe, like, threatened me twice and started, dro- <laughs> and started dropping cards. So, like, I, then I'm playing, like, the rest of the game. Like, I, like... There is no like there is no emote I could send back that's gonna be like I'm so sorry. They don't have a sorry emote anymore, right? Like they so like would. I don't yeah. so there's you play Mayor Noggin Fogger and get it. So so I, I ended up I, I remember I I, uh, I requested Mike. He added me much, much later. Uh and I was just like, Oh man, I wonder if he's still pissed at me. And then and then I I've actually hopped onto his stream since. And I've seen how this guy streams, and like, no, nah, he just didn't notice. It was cool. <laughs> all right, so all right, so to follow that story, Mike um, side, my my natural demeanor, uh, whenever people emote, I don't take it as like uh, insults or get mad. It's more like sarcasm because it always reminds me of like whenever me and Sheep used to like play like friendly matches, like we'll do greetings and then. Whoever drops the first, like whoever gets to initiate, like the first minion on the board, that person will like threaten or say thanks or something stupid, you know. Like that's what I always revert to when I when I see emotes. But I know some people will like emote early in the game, and then if you happen to take over and win, and you emote back, you know, a recent opponent would like to be your friend. And <laughs> like I just know <laughs> there's always some seething hot message or anger. So so when I heard you say that just now. I put my hand up because it made me think. It's always been my tactic, whenever a uh, friend request comes in, to get, let some time go by because, like, time heals all wounds. The the instant that the rage from that moment will be subsided, hour later, a day later, whatever. So um, it wasn't me not adding you right away because of an argument. It was just my tactic. I just let people cool down and then I add them after because I've actually met a lot of my like a lot of people that I'm really cool with through uh, friend requests, like adding them way later. When they were just like, hey, man, you know, like, I actually wasn't mad. I just wanted to say a cool game. But, like, some people who actually were mad were like, oh, you know, you talked like some book, some BS, but, you know, whatever. But it's cool. It's cool. I'm like, yeah, it's just a game. You know, like, I know a few days later you'd be calm. So it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, it's funny. definitely a good game. 
it was, it was cool to run into you there. But yeah, definitely a cool dude. Um, love to see you in chat. Love to see you in Discord. Uh, love hearing you talk about secrets. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Really appreciate you uh, taking your time out on a Friday night and hanging out with us uh, nerd dads over here. So on East Coast yeah, time, by the way. Yeah, you guys living East in the Coast future time. over there in East Coast time. So uh, <laughs> we're yeah, so. opposite sides. Me and Nate over here on the Pacific Ocean. You guys over there on the Atlantic. Next morning is going to be rough. My son is going to slap me in the forehead at about six a.m. That's yeah, that's, <laughs> that's how it works, <laughs> unfortunately. But uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks again for coming on. Um, do you have anything that you want to plug, or or if people want to interact with you or whatever? Do you, I don't think you you're not like streaming or anything like that. But I see you in Discord all the time. I've had so many people ask if I stream that like it's just like oh maybe it's 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 probably going to be more more trouble than it's worth. No, I I'm I'm you know I'm on the Discord. I'm I'm around Discord. I'm in the Born Be Wild Discord. If you want to reach me there, I'm there. If you want to you know reach out and find my battle tag there, you can. I'm in the battle tag section. If you see me on ladder and you want a friend request and say hi, that'd be cool too. You know, I usually I accept pretty much everybody who friend requests me. Like I don't, I don't. You know, I'm not going to say that I like subside on salt ads, but I find I find them kind of funny sometimes. So, <laughs> so yeah, you're, I, I you're, take everybody. You're very active in the Discord, and we appreciate that. Yeah, because I'm not sure if I'm annoying or not. So just tell me, just be like, yo, yo, Schmoopy, shut hey, up, Schmoopy, <laughs> shut up. Yeah, you know what? I actually get jealous because last night, um, I fell asleep. And any other night, I'm up till freaking who knows what time. And, like, I wake up this morning, and it says, like, 26-plus or 80-plus messages. And I'm just like, damn, man. The one night I pass out, all these everyone's talking smoothies in there. And, like, Hydralis and Nate, you know, missed out. <laughs> so it, it's it cool to, to see me the all the time. So don't, like, so don't think it's annoying. It's cool to see it. I, no. I, like, I like seeing conversation. It gives you something to talk about. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff for sure. Um yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks again for joining us. Hey, Mike, where can people find you? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Mike TV. Um, in my bio, I have a link tree link with all my stuff going on on Twitter. at Mike. Very good. Very good. Hydra, what about you? You can find me here every single Friday night at 6 p.m. PST on the Born to be Wild podcast on Twitch.tv. And you can find me at Hydralisk underscore HS on Twitch and Twitter. Very good. And uh, y'all can find me on Twitter at NateWolfTCG. It's N-A-T-E-W-O-L-F-E-T-C-G. More importantly, you can find the show at www.borntobewildhs.com. Again, it's borntobewildhs.com. If you go, uh, if you go there, it's got links to all of our stuff. So it's got links to our YouTube. It's got links to the Discord um, and to all of our other content. Uh, so that's, that's what I recommend. Um, thank you to, uh, you, you guys for being here. Thank you very much to, uh, everybody in chat for hanging out with us tonight. It's, it's really great interacting with people. Um, it's, you know, seeing what kind of questions and stuff that you guys have and, uh, just hanging out in general. is great. One final thing that we always do is just a, uh, sort of a and tradition. Now, unrelated advice. Okay, so I don't have any particular uh, advice that I'm looking for tonight, but since I've got the Nerd Dad Clubs here, uh oh. Well, I was Uh-oh. I was wondering if if maybe you guys would be able to tell me a dad joke. Can I go first? You can. Okay.
a pirate walks into a bar with a steering wheel on his belt. And the bartender says, yo, what's with that steering wheel? And the pirate says, yeah, it's driving me nuts. <laughs> okay, okay. Do you not get it? Because it's on his belt. <laughs> I'm hoping somebody out there got it. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's my son's favorite. He loves that one. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Our chat likes it. <laughs> All right, you guys got any? <laughs> Mike Schmoopy. Schmoopy, you want to go next? Uh, okay. So I don't have a dad joke, but I have a I have a physicist joke. Does that qualify? Sure. Oh yeah. All right. Oh, so oh, a oh, physicist, oh. an engineer, and a mathematician all share a hotel room. And the engineer has a bad smoking habit, so he smoke his, smokes a cigarette, puts it out, throws in the uh, trash can. They all go to sleep. He wakes up in the middle of the night, and uh, the trash can's on fire. So the engineer, being a problem solver, picks up the trash can, throws it out the window, heads back to bed, falls asleep, knowing that the problem has been solved. The physicist wakes up, and the drapes are on fire. Now, he watched the engineer uh, apply uh, a, a solution to the problem. Uh, and he surmises that he could do a similar thing, and it would also work. So he takes the drapes, and he throws them out the window, and he falls asleep, knowing that uh, the problem's been solved. The mathematician wakes up, and his bed is on fire. Now, he's watched what the engineer has done, and he's watched what the physicist has done. And he knows there's a solution to the problem. So he falls asleep, knowing that there's a solution to the problem. <laughs> he's just content. <laughs> <laughs> wow wow okay <laughs> he's just content he knows he knows <laughs> if you're not in like the science math space that doesn't that might not make a whole lot of sense to you but basically mathematicians don't spend a whole lot of time on problems that already have solutions yeah so he just knows that it has a solution he's a mathematician it's done it's over with why does he care <clears throat> All right. All right. You got anything, Mike? Well, um, most people wouldn't get it. Like, you don't know if you're in the Discord, but uh, I, I guess I could say, you know, it's just that due to quarantine, I'll only be telling inside joke. Due to quarantine, I'll only be telling inside joke. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh boy! You can find me on Twitter at Michael TV. <laughs> Wiser words were never spoken, and you heard that on Born to Be Wild. <laughs> Shiv and stab webbin buffs. Poison beats anything, no matter how tough. I don't taunt, just stealthing well. I ain't got no healing spells, but the two mana buys me a nice 
one might do wicked Navabar. Class of means am I no means. The king of the rogue. Sap vanished to your hand. My new secrets are pretty grand. Shuffle card draw, bring me wins. I don't have many hero skins, but uh, I've combos in one turn. We'll pop up that win with coins I've earned. I'm a class of means of I no means. The king of the rogue, I know every pirate and every death battle and all of the dirty tricks to win every battle and every assassinate and every thief and the super buffed of King's Bane that'll bring my foes grief. I sing, shiv that stab, weapon buffs, poison beats anything no matter how tough. No taunts, just stealthing well. I ain't got no healing spells, but a two mana bus, nigga, nice. One by two, wicked Navama. The class of means of I no means. A king of the rogue. Jib backstab, weapon buffs. Poison beats anything, no matter how tough. No taunts, just still think well. I ain't got no healing spells, but a two mana buys me a nice one by two wicked knife. I'm a class of means, am I no means? A king of the road.